Charlie Brown. I'll hold the ball and you kick it. Hold it? Ha! You'll pull it away and I'll land flat on my back and kill myself. But Charlie Brown, it's Thanksgiving. What's that got to do with anything? Well, one of the greatest traditions we have is the Thanksgiving Day football game. And the biggest, most important tradition of all is the kicking off of the football. Is that right? Absolutely. Come on, Charlie Brown. It's a big honor for you. Well, if it's that important, a person should never turn down a big honor. Maybe I should do it. Besides, she wouldn't try to trick me on a traditional holiday. This time I'm going to kick that football player to the moon! Charlie Brown, how some traditions just slowly fade away. Welcome into the State Speak Out, a podcast about Mississippi State sports for Mississippi State fans by Mississippi State students. I'm Andrew Miller. I'm Will Larson. And a happy Thanksgiving to you. It's the best holiday of the year, and with Thanksgiving comes the biggest game of the year every year, the Egg Bowl. Woo. I was hoping you say something else. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's kick some rubble, but... Yeah. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at State Speak Out. You can follow my personal account. I am at BulldogBlitz16. And I'm at WLarson24. That way you can keep up with whatever's going on in our lives. I have big news today. Biggest news ever. Joe Moorhead followed me on Twitter. <laughs> what a great accomplishment. I don't, I don't know if it was le- legitimately him or some staffer. I don't know what tweet I put out there that was worthy of uh, the man leading our football program to follow me. Um, just to, here I am, a lowly student, uh, tuba player, meteorology student, and uh, crappy podcast host. But nonetheless, the man, more brow, he is following me, and I think that's amazing. So you should follow me too if you are not already. Um, he might be listening to this podcast right now. He, he might be could a fan. Be. It's, it could be happening. Um, I mean, I don't know why I didn't follow Will. I mean, but... Well, he'd, he'd rather follow you because you're the guy who uh, comes up with all the stats and knows what he's talking about on the podcast, unlike me. So. Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and that way, yeah, you can keep up with whatever's going on with the show. I asked you guys for questions, and uh, you didn't send them in. And, but that's fine. We have plenty of stuff to talk about, but I like taking your questions. And I want to get more than just Gil and Thomas. It's you two every time, which that's fine. Keep sending them in. They're always great. But we'll have to get some more people. Uh, maybe we don't make it an every show thing. Maybe we make it a, uh, like a reactionary thing. Maybe we'll make the questions a, I don't know, once a week of the two shows. We'll figure something out maybe to try to get a little bit more interaction on that. So we got a big show. It's our Thanksgiving special. Um... We know the show, we had said it was going to come out on Wednesday afternoon, but just life happened. I had a bunch of stuff going on throughout the day as we're recording right now, so we weren't able to get together until late tonight, but you'll have it for Thanksgiving. If you are making the trip up to that godforsaken town known as Oxford, you have something to listen to on the way there. You can listen to this while you're prepping your food. I know 
Uh, like my dad, I'm going to tell him, hey, here's something to listen to while you're smoking the turkey. So, uh, perfect listening material to get yourself in the Thanksgiving mood and get yourself ready for the Egg Bowl. I'm very excited for this uh, Egg Bowl. Yeah, you uh, certainly sound like it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, very, very excited, if you can tell. Um, two years ago, Andrew and I experienced our first Egg Bowls, and in Oxford, that is, and a uh, very, very great experience. It was my first in person, so. Oh, yeah, and look, um, to anyone who is questioning whether to go up to Oxford, I'd say go ahead and do it. Um, look, look on to the Egg Bowl and getting the opportunity to win the trophy and take it back from Oxford and go to Starkville. It's just a feeling, uh, an experience that I won't forget in 2016, and I hope to repeat that same experience as well this year. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of state fans are saying, like, they will never go to an Egg Bowl in Oxford. And, like, I understand part of the logic. Like, I don't want to give that school any – like, we were talking about this before the show. Like, you don't even want to you, – you're, you're going to refuse to even eat at a restaurant in Oxford. Now, I, being a large man, am never going to say no to food. So, uh, I just don't want to deal with those people in the restaurant. That's that's fair, which is why a lot of state fans don't want to go. But uh, – I don't care about going there and see rooting my team on the victory, but do I care to go to one of their restaurants? No, I don't. There's good restaurants anywhere else. I mean, there's Tupelo has fine restaurants. Uh, Starkville has fine restaurants. Anywhere in Mississippi has fine restaurants. There's not a monopoly of great restaurants in Oxford, so I'm just not going to go there. For well, that wasn't the debate. The debate was, I mean, is it like, hey, I'm in town. It's, it's just a convenience thing. You get to try some place else, but we're not even going to get into that. But like a lot of people talking about, they never want to go to Oxford. And look, I get it, and I want to give them money, and I want to deal with their fans. But uh, to me, I think it's perfectly fine to go on the road, even in, to a rival's place, to get to watch your team. And it makes it, it kind of makes it even sweeter when you win. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, if you're willing to go to Alabama or LSU, there's no reason for why you shouldn't be willing to go to Ole Miss. Oh, no, I loved watching, in 20, back in 2016, loved watching their fans pile out of the stadium when we were beating the crap out of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, watching us run around, like watching our players run around the field with the golden egg, that was pretty spectacular. Watching them do some stupid segments like freeze frame and, oh, God. Oh, don't you love the... My, one of my favorite things from the pregame was when they did the land shark cam and their their student flipped them off. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if if you if you are going to go to Oxford now, you did miss out on the if you haven't bought your tickets yet, you did miss out on the buy one get one free special because that's how pathetic they are. They're <laughs> having to literally give away tickets to this event. But you can probably still find some pretty cheap tickets, I would have to imagine. I'm actually very curious to how cheap the tickets are right now. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you're doing a buy one, get one free special for the Egg Bowl, that pretty much just shows you how bad your football season's going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I know I heard from somebody the tickets on StubHub were a lot more expensive. Oh, really? I saw. I think I saw somebody tweet that out. Like They're now $37. Oh, no. Okay. Never mind. Uh, yeah, they looks like they're ready to get rid of them, actually. Lots of them in the 30s and 40s. So so if you don't have plans for Thanksgiving evening and it's a, in a reasonable distance, go to Oxford because there's a good chance you'll get to watch a Bulldog victory. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that in the future. Uh, in the future. What am I talking about? We're going to talk about that <laughs> soon on the show. From future Andrew Miller. He's yeah. going to make an appearance on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got a few other things we want to talk about. Uh We'll go ahead and get into it. Let's kick it off with basketball. So, 
after we recorded, men's basketball played their fifth game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played against St. Mary's in their tournament in Las Vegas. Uh, as you all know, Mississippi State lost their first game against Arizona. Lost their first game of the season to Arizona State Monday night, which of course led to a meltdown from Mississippi State Twitter because our fans, after one loss to a tournament team by five points in Las Vegas, where you made a pretty decent comeback, yeah, according because you lost that game. We're not making the tournament, according to our fan base. But we got right back on track and beat St. Mary's tonight. Uh, none of us could watch the game because it was not televised. Apparently, you had to pay like $10 to watch it. So I, w- I had just been following on Twitter. Twitter When I got over to Will's, I, he, had to, he was listening to the game on radio. So we listened to the end of it. Uh, 61-57 win for State. Um, I have no clue what the stats were. As you can tell by the score, it was a defensive battle, which somewhat – you say defensive battle, but both teams struggle with shooting, which has sort of been the theme so far for Mississippi State this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, look, you go, and that, St. Mary's is another very respectable team, another good pro, another team that's going to be right in the mix of the tournament discussion. Yeah, it was nice to get a win in Vegas and not leave 0-2. Yeah, they were an NIT team last year along with State, so this is a team that's consistently been an NCAA tournament team. Probably the second best team in the West Coast Conference over the past 10 years with Gonzaga. So this is a respectable program that you're dealing with here. It's going to look good in March. Yeah, going 1-1 one one in this tournament is exactly what I want State to do, and this is exactly what happened. Get a win over St. Mary's or Arizona State, and you know, if you drop one, so be it. <laughs> you know, I just kind of find it funny that fans overreacted and decided to call the season quits on November the 19th, but whatever. <laughs> guess I just think today proves that the fan base overreacting the one loss in November is just stupid. Yeah. Um, look, uh, I'm still not quite in basketball mode yet, uh, even though I've been one of the ones screaming about attendance. I am in, I'm in basketball mode for state. I'm not like in mode where I'm just following closely along. But, look, even I understand. Dropping a game to Arizona State, I, and I tweeted about this. You do not miss the NCAA tournament because you lose to Arizona State, which there, we had some fans saying that. I mean, Kentucky loses by f- over 40 to Duke in their first game of the season. I understand that Duke's great and all that. But you but lost they, by 40. But they lost by over 40. Did, wait, did they actually lose by 40? They lost like 118 to 84, something like that. So. Okay, close. Um, but no, like I said, you don't miss the tournament because yeah. you played and lost to a team like Arizona State. You yes. miss the tournament when the only teams you're playing are sub-200 RPI teams the mm-hmm. entire month. I get it. We don't use RPI anymore. I don't care. Sub-200 RPI teams the entire month of November like we did last year. Exactly. So it's good that State is scheduling these teams. You can afford to lose the game. Look, honestly, no one's going to want to hear this, and I'm sure State fans will be freaking out if it's the case. If State leaves – the non-conference schedule with three non-conference losses and all of them are two of the tougher teams on there, you're still fine going into conference play. Probably even better than you were last year, actually. You could make that argument. Last year, your only loss was to the one team you were able to lose to in Cincinnati, but you had zero decent wins on there. At least you've added one decent win so far, and you've been more impressive in your other wins compared to last year where you were fighting for wins against teams like Stephen F. Austin and Jacksonville State. State's handled business in their other out-of-conference games so far. Um, next game for the men's team will be Monday, November 26th against Alcorn State. And I am so happy for that game. <laughs> I do not have to go to the stupid Starkville Christmas Parade. Yes. The Maroon Band every year has to march in that parade. And it is terrible. 
It's marching down Main Street. There's no light. It's a stupid, long parade that no one wants any part of. It's at night, too, so it's just cold. Too. Yes. Freezing cold. Nobody wants to do any of it. We get crammed into buses because we don't have a good way to take our stuff there because we're just going down the street to Main Street or whatever. And thanks to basketball, I do not have to go to this. I get exempt because I'm in basketball pet band, and it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. I think this is like the second time out of the three years this has happened to us. Cause I think well, there, I think there was our a freshman year, no one did it because it got canceled for rain. Oh, it got canceled. I remember there being a basketball game that night, though. There, there was. We were all excited, like, ha-ha, y'all have to go. And then we find out afterwards, yeah, no one went. Uh, that might happen to us again this year, probably, knowing our It actually was. could, uh... But the weather's still. starting to shape up that way. Oh. We're talking about the weather in a second. Uh, we will mention the women's team. They continued absolute, utter domination. They played Furman today, and what was the final score? 106 to 41? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Look at that. I'm, I wasn't even looking at it yet. Third, third straight game where you score over 100 points. I mean, I know who you're playing, but still, I don't think the women's team had three 100 point games last year at all. What's the. The most points they have allowed so far this season, go up to the top, um, was 56. That, that was in the exhibition game. Oh, no, actually. okay, that's, Jesus. That's not even official. So, so it's 53 between Lamar and Southeast Missouri State. Yeah, now look, State's only played one solid program so far, that being a win at Virginia. Now, and Virginia's a little down this year. But nonetheless, they're doing exactly what they should. They're doing what a good team should do in these games. And they're just completely dominating them. And, and that may, oh, and, go ahead. And they're going to get tested in November. I mean, December. They're playing Texas, Oregon, Washington on the road. So oh, it's yeah, not yeah. like they're just playing a light non-conference schedule. They're going to play no one. They are eventually going to get, you know, maybe not tested because this team looks so good. Just they're going to play better teams is what my point is. Right. Uh, the women will have a game against Jackson State on Saturday at 2 p.m. So God, why would you schedule that game? No one's going to watch that. No one's going to come to it either. No. Those are games where, but for one, I'm never going to say a word about the women's attendance because I know yeah. the crowds will show up. That, that's one reason, because I've seen some of the women's crowds so far this year, and they're really not any better than the men's. It's just the difference is that I know come uh, January when we're playing big-name teams, we're going to have no issue getting the stands. I'm, I'm concerned about our fans for men's basketball, but like I said, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it for now. I'm going to let I'm going to let it go. Uh, but yeah, game against Jackson State on a Saturday. I mean, no, no one's going yeah. to be Jackson State. No one is going to be there for that. But the women continue to be dominant. Continue their run to what should be uh, con- a contending for an SEC championship season. Yeah, definitely. And you looked, and not. I'll bring up one more thing on that. Uh, Shout out to Maryland because they destroyed South Carolina on the road. Yes, they did. In women's basketball play. I know we don't, I know you haven't really been keeping up with basketball outside Mississippi State, but anytime South Carolina loses in women's basketball and they get destroyed, I'm going to shout out the opposing team. So shout out to Maryland. Sounds good. <laughs> or you could, you know. Can I get a hell yeah, Maryland? <laughs> so a few of you people, I don't know how many of the people listening get that. Uh, for anyone who doesn't understand, back before they played Alabama, Ross B. York. Oh, we might have talked about it on the show. I've, uh, the, no, I know we did. but The yeah. incompetent athletic director for the University of Mississippi walked around the Grove with his championship belt with some fat beer belly dude in a hard hat and jorts. <laughs> 
talking about how they can beat Alabama and their their fans need to bring it today. And he kept saying, can I get a hell yeah? And it was the most embarrassing, terrible video I've ever seen. Which I mean, it's the funniest thing ever if you're a State fan. I loved it. Um, um. It, and it's great. And now it's become sort of a thing. We're not doing it as much. I, I keep up the trend. Every time something stupid happens at Ole Miss, like when Vitter got canned, yes. I, I, I retweet it. It's like, can I get a hell yeah at Ross B. York AD? <laughs> I got, you got you to throw those shots. And I'm sure I know he sees it because we've seen him respond to state fans before because that's the type of athletic director he is. With his little championship belt little looking thing. Threatening state fans who joked with him. Yes. Talking about how he, acting like he's going to fight him because that's the type of guy he is. That's the, that's the model citizen you want running your athletic department. Some people say... And we should just go home right now. And we shouldn't even play the game right now. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there is going to be a football game played tonight. And if you're making the trip to Oxford, like both Will and I will be, you're going to want to know what the weather's going to be like. Well, it's looking like some pretty perfect football weather. Right now, got a high-pressure system. We have a high-pressure system sitting over the basically the entire eastern half of the United States. And that means we're going to see mostly clear skies and cool temperatures, what you would expect for this time of the year, but luckily we're avoiding the rain that we've had to deal with so much. Um, high for Saturday will be 60, so that'd be something to keep an eye on when you're, you're going to be out tailgating during the day and that overrated, overrated thing called the Grove where it's just a bunch of trees and some grass. Uh, during the game, temperatures will dip down into the 50s. By the end of the game, could see some temperatures in the high 40s. Uh, so, good, definitely want to bring a jacket with you and maybe, you know, might want to wear some layers because well, we know for those of us in Mississippi, that's some pretty chilly weather. But overall, you can't ask for, can't really ask for much better weather given the circumstances for the, a game like this in November. Oh, no. And uh, actually, I'll, I'll have my own forecast for uh, the game, and that is Mississippi State's going to kick some butt. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, I tend to agree with you. All right. So, let's talk about Ole Miss. We'll be serious for a second. We're not going to necessarily throw shots here. I'll, I'll legitimately tell you about their football team. Um, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> In all honesty, the Rebels, they started off the year, what was it, like 5-2? and two? Yeah, they were 5-2. and two. And since then, they've dropped four straight games. You remember there were a lot of, and there were a lot of state fans that said this, that Ole Miss could have eight wins coming into this game. <sighs> yeah. Now, at the time, Ole Miss was playing a lot better. And for what it's worth, some of these games that they've dropped in this four straight, they probably should have found a way to win. They had opportunity, plenty of opportunities against South Carolina, plenty of opportunities against Vanderbilt. Uh, Ole Miss could have had a better season this year than what they have, but at the end of the day, their defense is abysmal, and their offense has blown opportunity after opportunity. Uh, despite as many yards and as points as they put up, uh, they're pretty bad in the red zone. That's been the biggest story for the Rebels offensively. Despite having guys like A.J. Brown, Demarcus Lodge, Scotty Phillips has been a good running back for them this year, and obviously Jordan Tayamu, at quarterback, has had a solid season. Uh, they do not score when they get in the red zone. Will and I were just looking at it. Their touchdown percentage in conference games in the red zone is one of the worst in the country. Uh, we, we have the stat page up. I want to get the exact number. Uh, just go TD percentage. Well, let's see where they're at. They are number 126 in the country, and they're only scoring touchdowns about eh, 39% of the time. 
So this offense that's everyone talks about, Ole Miss will be able to score on anybody. <laughs> Apparently not. Nope. Um, they do not score when they get in the red zone. They have to kick field goals, which is what ultimately cost them last week against Vanderbilt. You can talk all you want about the A.J. Brown catch, non-catch, whatever. They, uh, I, I was listening to, uh, on the way over here, it was a Thunder and Lightning Extra where Brian Haydad was speaking with Ben Garrett. Um, and I, I heard the number like one for seven. Garrett said they were inside the twenty nine. They were inside the twenty five yard line nine times. They got one touchdown out of those trips. <laughs> that is just that's bad. Yeah. For an offense as highly touted as they are, that's terrible. Now the big discussion about that is the fact that uh, a lot of their fans are starting to grow. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Weary. Yeah. Or not weary. They're just growing tired of. Phil Longo's play calling, uh, despite the pedigree that he came in with, is supposed to be this great play caller. The fact is, his offense is really too simplistic for the, the college SEC college level. Yeah, um, He basically just relies on throwing deep balls to guys like A.J. Brown. And when he had him, D.K. Metcalf, uh, who, as most of you know, is out for the year. He was lost with injury about a month ago or so, uh, which his absence is hurting Ole Miss a lot. Um, he was somebody else for them to line up out there. Uh, and really, once they get in the red zone, his offense sort of just sputters. So, if you're Mississippi State and you're a team that's been great defensively all year, I think you have to have a lot of confidence going into this game. Because we last year going into the Egg Bowl, I think the feeling most State fans had was like, or at least what we thought, was Ole Miss might be able to hit some shots in the game, but State should still be able to get enough going offensively to be the case offensively to win the game. Mm-hmm. And that sort of ended up being the case. It was just we none of us were anticipating what happened with Nick Fitzgerald and obviously five turnovers. You're never going to win a game when you commit that many turnovers. Yeah. But from the defensive side of the ball, that was sort of exactly it. Ole Miss did not pile up a ton of yards. You know, Tama got sacked like five times. They had a, uh, one or two turnovers. But the fact was they hit all four of their touchdowns were long plays. I really yeah. am interested to see how many of those touchdowns, because I just can't look back at that egg ball. That's the only reason why I haven't looked back at this. How many of those touchdowns were a result of the turnovers directly? I know one in particular was, because I remember there was a turnover, then the next play, Ole Miss hits A.J. Brown long for a touchdown. But, like, I'm just wondering how many of those touchdowns were a result of those turnovers cause directly, because that seemed like a big story of that game. I don't remember for sure. Um feel like crap I don't there might have been a might have been another one off of a one of their touchdown runs might have been off of mm-hmm. I, I don't remember for sure I what I remember the most out of the turnovers wasn't Ole Miss turning around and scoring it was the fact that we turned it over when we were in plus territory yeah we moved the ball into Ole Miss territory then we turned the ball over and I mean obviously you lose by three if you score on just one more of those drives or as you said don't let them score on one of those drives. You mm-hmm. win the ball game. Yeah, um, that's why we. That's why I think a lot of state fans look back at this game and say, uh, you know, the Ole Miss fans can say whatever they want. Losing Nick Fitzgerald played a big impact on the game because he was not going to turn the ball over like that. And uh, you think the offense would have just had a little bit more continuity. State would have found a way to win, and that's why you look back at this win last year. It was pretty fluky, but 
that's what it, it reminds me a lot of the 2015 Alabama Ole Miss game where Alabama turned over the ball like five or six times in the game. Yeah. And Ch- Ole Miss hit some fluky plays and they're only. Kelly gets, Kelly's getting destroyed. He throws the ball up and bounces off like Treadwell's head and falls into the hands of another receiver who is there who takes it for a touchdown. They still they still only win by six, and that's with Alabama starting a quarterback that they did not start for any other game. They started like Cooper Bateman, Cooper Bateman instead of, I think it was Blake Sims at the time was who they were going with. Blake Sims was the year before. You know, he was the year before. Uh, Jake, Jake Coker. Jake Coker, you're right, yes. He ended up having a pretty solid season. Yeah, but they basically they did the same thing, taking away their quarterback early in the game and allowing – Ole Miss to take advantage of Alabama's lack of offensive production. So that, that's kind of what I look at in this game is, you know, if you didn't look at have flukes like that, you would have won last year. This year, Ole Miss doesn't look like they're that much better of a team. I just don't see how a team like this is going to have a chance to win personally. Well, for State's defense, because we were talking about last year how the one issue with State's defense a year ago was that they, they were very susceptible to giving up big plays. Yeah. Now, part of that was because of being aggressive, and that just comes with nature. When you are aggressive as a Todd Grantham defense is going to be, you're going to give up some shots. But the other reason was you just didn't have a lot of talent out wide at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, to land, I think, was Cleveland still here? Uh, I don't know. I'll look back at it real quick. I don't remember who our two starters were. Um, I feel like he was a while ago, but I can't remember. He might have been gone after 16. What? Oh, crap. I don't it's, remember. Uh, oh, this is from 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, he was gone after 16, if this is freshman year. Or maybe his red Well, shirt. he had a red shirt in there at some point. Uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Well, then I'll look back at the 17 roster then, because that did not help me at all. <laughs> huh. uh, this I know this is kind of random, but I'm just, I don't, just don't remember who are our two starters. Um, trying to get it. Oh, yep, there yeah, he is. Yeah, so he was one of the starting corners on that team. Um, I don't remember who the other one was. I think Jamal Peters was the number three. Uh, he might have been the number two. Was McLaurin? The well, McL- the safeties weren't the issue. I'm sorry. It was the corners. He's a safety. <laughs> yep, that's how smart I am. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Ulti- ultimately, though, State struggled at the corner position, and we saw. Teams like Alabama had a lot. Let's start Durr, right? Oh, yes. Durr was still on the team. I could not remember if he was there or not. Yeah. Yeah, it was Durr and Cleveland were your two starting quarters. And look, they weren't bad, but they were not good enough to hold up against guys. No. Like an A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. Whether or not, even though he did step out of bounds, Calvin Ridley. (laughs) Auburn's wide receiving core that year, the year before. Dayton gave up a lot of big plays in the passing game. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was the concern for most State fans coming into this season. Was that going to still be the issue for the defense? Because you knew you, you were going to see some turnover. Um, now Jamal Peters stepping into a starting role. Cam Dantzler, for a while, you, you would be relying on Brian Cole. We've seen other guys like Maurice Smitherman, Marcus Murphy. So far, the secondary has been pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Um, they've only given up five passing touchdowns all season. And in the biggest test of the year against Alabama, Tua, you hold Tua to 17 of 27. Well, I guess it wasn't just Tua, but uh, it was mostly Tua, so we'll say they were his stats. Yeah. 17 of 27 for 163 yards, a touch, one touchdown, one, and you pick him off. Yeah. Only a passer rating of 118 and only six yards an attempt. That's a pretty mediocre passing day. For the best, arguably the best passing offense in the country. Yes. 
with Tua Tagovailoa, who's your Heisman front runner and the best wide receiving corps in the country. And that's what my point is of any state fans worried about this game. If you're able to do that against Alabama, there's Ole Miss is not going to be able to do any better than that just because of the talent that Alabama has on offense is much better than what Ole Miss has had. And we pointed out that Ole Miss struggled against Mississippi State last year. This year, Ole Miss has struggled against great defenses, against LSU, against Auburn, against Alabama. They have not had the same production that they have had when they've played UL Monroe or Kent State. I know obvious obvious statements like that are obvious, but it's a huge discrepancy this year. Um, I was looking at their stats, and they were – Scoring, I think, uh, no, I'm sorry, they were averaging over 730 yards per game on offensively against non-Power 5 school. But when they played Power 5 schools, I think that went down to 460 yards per game. Which is still good, but yeah. that is a big gap. Yes. And they're scoring. I think, I don't, I know they're averaging about 25 points per game in conference play. Yeah, that's a, that's an even better one to a point up because that's a huge discrepancy as well. Um Scoring-wise, this is a great one to point out. Non-conference games, they were averaging 57.8 points per game. In conference games, 24.7 points per game. That is less than half of what they average in non-conference play. Right. And I know we can, we can talk about states' offensive issues, having the, having the same problem all we want. But the fact is, Ole Miss is the team that's supposed to be great on offense. They're the team that statistically has the number five total offense in the country. And yet, whenever they play someone who's actually worth a darn, Mm -hmm. they can't do anything. They might move the ball some. Mm -hmm. They might get some points here or there. But they've mostly been shut down by some of these teams. Alabama shut them down minus one play to start off the game. LSU shut them down. Auburn gave up some yards, but ultimately Auburn did enough to stop them. State's defense is on the same level as those type of defenses. And that's why the way the secondary has played this year, look, you know, Will was talking about the talent discrepancy compared to Ole Miss to Alabama. Tiamu's a decent quarterback. He's no Tagovailoa. No. A.J. Brown, now that's a guy, yeah, he could start at Ole Miss. But, I mean, I'm sorry, he could start at Alabama. But still, we did find against the other, uh, we did find against Alabama's wide receivers. Why should I think that A.J. Brown is supposed to go off and just absolutely destroy us? I know we did it last year. I understand he is a personal vendetta against Starkville. And I understand the relationship and all that stuff. Frankly, I don't care. He is not that much better than – he's not any better than anyone Alabama has on the field. No. And if State's defense can do that against Alabama, there's no reason to think they shouldn't do it against Ole Miss. Unless they're going to let the rivalry get to them, which, for what it's worth, it's been pretty tame this year compared to the way, way, it, has, the way it was over the past few seasons. Yeah. I, I think State's defense is in for another big day and in for just – feasting once again on their opponent. I'm curious, uh, what, how many sacks a game is Ole Miss giving up? Have they given up? Uh, oh, wrong one. Um, they've given up, uh, looks like, 2.5 sacks per game. Okay. Um, I mean, that's not that great. Where's no, that rank? 96th. 96th nationally. I mean... Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons. I know Simmons doesn't have I mean, a sack yet, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, how many did State have against Arkansas last week? Like three or four. Three or four? Yeah, so statistically, Ole Miss is worse at giving up sacks than Arkansas is. 
State's defensive line is going to eat in this game. And that's a big thing. Even if your secondary is having some issues early on in the game, which, by the way, I mean, that was happening against Alabama, when the front seven starts getting pressure, which they will, that can balance that out. That's exactly what happened in the Alabama game. Mm-hmm. I think your defensive approach has to be the same as what we did. It has to be the exact same as what you t- took against Alabama. And I think if you apply – because I feel like the offenses from a – what. From where their strengths lie, they're pretty similar. It just obviously Alabama's far more talented, and Alabama runs a much more complex scheme that is actually effective. And I think Alabama is able to more effectively run the ball than Ole Miss is. I know Ole Miss is more improved running the ball, but I don't think they're better or oh, incomparable. Oh no, Alabama to runs the ball far better than them. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss just seems they won't commit to it, and they don't do enough with the offense to get get running lanes open for players, which you would think a team that likes to spread it out and throw it around, they should be able to run the ball well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not bad at it, but I feel like they probably have a lot more success if they would commit to it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the story for State, too. If they committed to the run more, maybe they would look a little bit better in the rushing game as well. You're not wrong. <laughs> now, defensively for the Rebels, who? Oof. 123rd in the nation in total defense. Uh, is that the worst Power 5 school? No, it is not. Illinois in they're, Oregon they're, State. They're the third worst Power 5 school in the country. So we- congratulations, Ole Miss. You were better than Illinois and Oregon State. You should be very <laughs> proud of yourself. Um, you're only giving up 489 yards of offense per game. Wow. Um, that's... Oh. How many points per game allowed? I, I just How many points per game? Uh, I, I gotta know. Yeah. They have to be down here. Uh, 36.3 points per game they've given up. <laughs> That's easily the worst. They're the scoring 36.7. And, again, only Illinois, Louisville, and Oregon State are worse in Power 5 play than they are in giving up points per game. The Ole Miss defense is absolutely atrocious. Yeah. And what's funny is... I feel like they actually have some decent players here or there on the defense. Benito Jones is not bad. Muhammad Sanago's young, but he's a pretty talented player. Guys like Ken Webster, Zedrick Woods in the secondary. Those aren't terrible players back there. The fact is, they are not running a defense that will stop any offense in the country, despite what crime, crime dog McGriff wanted them to do when he was hired. They gave up 41 points to Southern Illinois. The Southern Illinois, they gave up 41 points. Yes, they did. <laughs> and I think they were losing at halftime. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, the only defense is just atrocious. And I understand that State has had some offensive woes throughout the season. But the fact is, State's offense has only looked bad when they've played teams that actually play defense. Mm-hmm. Whenever they've played teams that were either not to their talent level or, weren't, or were average or below on defense, their offense was fine. And here's the best thing of all about this. Ole Miss is the worst defense State has faced all year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look, I have no clue what uh, – who do we open up the season uh, with? Oh, Stephen F. Austin. I have no clue what oh, Stephen yeah. F. Austin's offense, defense they, actually looks like. They didn't make the list, so, yeah, well, they're well, probably yeah, worse. But <laughs> Well, that's because that's just FBS schools. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious. Are they giving up more yards per game than Stephen F. Austin? More yards and more points. Um, it might take me a little while to find it, but I'll I'll get it eventually. No, I'll talk about it. We'll, we'll see. Ole Miss, it, Ole Miss is just atrocious defensively. And last week, State played an atrocious SEC defense in Arkansas. They put up 52 points on them. 
They ran the ball with ease. Fitz didn't blow you away, like, throwing the ball in terms of yardage, but he had threw four touchdowns. There is no reason that State should not go out and just absolutely roll all over the defense. What's the funniest thing, though, is that you hold on. Oh, here it is. Opponents. P- PDF. Well, PDF. PDF version. Here we go. I was, so, trying, I was trying to find. Oh, wait. That actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that that was just weird or weird. Uh, so, average plays, average per game, 425.3. So, so it is still, still better. This <laughs> is <laughs> still the worst defense Mississippi State has played all season long. <laughs> the Ole Miss Rebels. There is no reason State should not be able to score 40-plus in this game. There's none. Unless they do what they did last year, which is commit uncharacteristic turnovers and, God forbid, an injury take place, there is no reason that State should not roll up and down the field on this defense. The funny thing is that Ole Miss fans, in terms of which coordinators they want to fire, they want to fire Longo but keep McGriff. (laughs) Now, believe me, I can actually get behind firing Longo. I've seen a lot of State fans who have been talking about this. They're saying, why would you fire an office coordinator when he's averaging this many yards and this many points per game? Well, when you break it down, like we talked about, they're not, they have not been good in conference play, and they're terrible in the red zone, and the offense is essentially too simplistic and is over-reliant on just the fact that Ole Miss has elite talent outside. And for some teams, a lot of teams are able to shut that down. What they like to say, though, is that McGriff – he doesn't have any talent on his defense, and he's shown some improvement. What improvement has he shown? When you're giving up 41 points to Southern Illinois, where is your improvement? 62 to Alabama, okay, he gave up 63 last year. Congratulations on a one-point improvement. The, the defense is absolutely terrible, and I don't see how in the world you can justify saying that you want to keep him but get rid of your offensive coordinator when at least your coordinator, your offensive coordinator is doing something in some games. Mm-hmm. At least they're scoring in the out-of-conference. They're not stopping anyone in out-of-conference play. I mean, this Ole Miss team is the same Ole Miss team from the past two seasons. And I feel like State should just implement the same game plan. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. I think State should just run the freaking ball. <laughs> Fitz, Aries, Kylan, 20 carries apiece. I'm not even joking. Pound it down their throats. Run triple option the whole game. I don't care. I don't, I don't even know if Moorhead has that in the playbook, but if he he should add it for this game because they're not going to be able to stop it. And if you want to take some shots down the field, fine. And when you're on defense, just do what you've been doing all year because it feels like this team, you're playing, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they've got talent. They're not the most talented team you face. And you've been able to shut down better offenses than this Ole Miss offense. There is no reason State should not roll in this game. No, and I will say this. I don't think you necessarily have to run the ball the entire game. I think you can just do just about whatever you want, whether you pass or You probably or can. I, just, I, feel, I would feel safer if State chooses just to run it. I mean, I can, but this is a passing defense of the Ole Miss that's ranked 121st in the country and is giving up 275 yards per game through the air. Um Personally, to me, when I see something like that, I feel like State could have no problem passing on that because, again, Mississippi State last week against Arkansas had no problem passing the ball over them. Um, I'm, I'm down for selective passing, which is what we did against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had some issues with it early on, so you chose to rely on the run game heavy 
early in the game. In the second half is when he started picking up a little bit, but still, uh, Nick only attempted 14 passes the whole game. Key mm-hmm. um, attempted like two or three. Uh, but, you know, Fitz was nine for 14 for like 127 yards, but he had four touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. I would easily take a similar stat line. You, I don't care about having a ton of yards passing. Um, I'm perfectly okay if you just hit some big plays in the passing game. Run the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, the passing defense is terrible. If State wants to drop back and pass, they probably will be able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just will, from for my own sanity, I will always feel most comfortable if we just run the ball. Because here's the thing, they're not going to stop it. I don't care if they put all 11 guys in the box. I feel like State could probably still pick up four carries at a time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think Four yards at a time, my bad. I agree with that 100%. I just don't think they can stop anything's my point either. <laughs> that is certainly true. So, I mean, there isn't too much reason to get super, super in-depth for this because here's the fact. Ole Miss has a good offense that has been bad against good defenses, and Ole Miss defense has just been terrible against everybody. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be concerned about State's defensive performance. There's no reason to be concerned that State's offense isn't going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. Mm-hmm. State, on paper, is a better team. Now, we understand it's a rivalry game. Crazy things can happen. No one was anticipating that Nick was going to go down on the second series last year. No one was anticipating that you'd turn the ball over five times. And obviously, none of us knew that Dan Mullen had one foot out the door and was just not even going to coach the game. Mm-hmm. Those are things you can't control. And if they happen, well, then maybe things start to get interesting. Yeah, I mean, the... I think I can't remember what the stat is, but like in the last ten years, the or last thirteen years, the underdog is like won five times outright. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen some crazy things happen in this crazy things happen in this game. I think there's a streak now where first year head coaches. I, I there think, is. I think it's staying back to maybe like Houston Nutt or something like that. Yeah, the last one who didn't win their first game was was uh, it Croom or Ogeron? I don't. Ogeron. Ogeron. Okay. Well, because I know Kroom didn't win his first either, but I know Ogeron was. Ogeron hired, was the year after him. Was so. hired after him, yeah. So. Yeah, Ogeron was the last one who did not win his first game. But yeah. Houston Nutt, Dan Mullen, Hugh Freeze, uh, and Matt Luke mm-hmm. all won their first games as head coaches of their respective teams, which obviously that favors Joe Moorhead here. Um, now, obviously, it does get scary when you're playing it. You do have, I say, scary. You might have some concerns if you start playing a team like Ole Miss who has nothing to lose, which was the situation you were in a year ago. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that was a much more emotionally driven Egg Bowl for a variety of reasons. Uh, it does feel like this year, we sort of talked about it for a second, things have calmed down a lot. Um, there hasn't been the, jab, the jabs back and forth. You don't have a coach who refuses to call Ole Miss by their team name uh, like we did before with yeah. Mullen, which personally I had no issue with that. I loved it. No, uh, and Jackie Sherrill did that with the Mississippi and yeah. Ole Miss. I mean, states had history doing that. Had no problem with that either. Um, and on the Ole Miss side, they weren't as vocal about it, but we do know that Hugh Freeze certainly had a lot going on behind the scenes, um, more than what he already well, more than what we knew he had going on behind yeah. the scenes. Uh, when it came to hyping up this rivalry. And State got their worst punch out of Ole Miss and still only lost by three points last year. I mean, that's the thing I take away from that. The fact that you're not going to get as high emotion of an Ole Miss team, I don't think, and you got a better overall team, I'd say, in State, and probably a worse overall team, I'd say, of Ole Miss this year. I think that makes you feel really good going into this game. Yeah. Um, I Look, come kickoff, I'm going to be dreading it because they're – no matter who the opponent is, but especially an Egg Bowl, 
the thought is always in the back of my mind, what if? Because, look, crazy things have happened in this game, and this is the game that... This isn't the game that's the most important to me for the full season, but it's the game that I think personally always means the most to me, mm-hmm. just because of the rivalry aspect. Um, I can recognize that there are games that mean more to the team, like 2014 Alabama. The 2014 Alabama game is clearly more important than the Egg Bowl, what happened. Yes. I felt I personally felt worse after the Egg Bowl. Now, I know you're, you're different about that because uh, yeah, you know, uh, your connection is Alabama, but just the way I felt, because I... Yeah, I was gonna. I, obviously, I deal with a lot of Alabama fans because Alabama fans are everywhere because you can they grow on sidewalks. But <laughs> <laughs> I still have a lot more personal connections with Ole Miss fans, and I just didn't want to have to listen to them, and I was going to have to after what happened. Yep. Um, it's the same way every single year for me. So I don't necessarily dread this game. I'm more of I'm once the game gets kicked off, I'm ready to go to war. I'm ready to for sixty minutes. And well, I'm, I'm ready to win this up. game. Yeah, I'm always gonna be hyped up for it. But there's always there's always nerves. Like, oh god, just please, please, please. I always push it off to the end, and if the end result happens, it just makes it that much worse for me. So like, I, I never get like I'd say nervous in the game. I, I'm, I'm just I'm just. Ready to win the game is all I guess. <laughs> like I'm telling you right now, let's say Ole Miss gets the ball first on the first play of the game. They run like a double pass to AJ Brown for a 70 yard touchdown. I will feel nothing actually. You will feel nothing. I'm going to be sitting there. I am going to be frozen still. I'm probably not, I'm I might collapse. <laughs> Why they did the same thing with Alabama? They scored know, on the know, first play of the I game. Know. That's why I will feel absolutely nothing. They can have their one touchdown and do nothing else for the rest of the game. So It's just, I can't get past it. But I don't think that's going to be the case because I think as long as State keeps their emotions in check, uh, do not let what took place last year affect you going forward. Look, I'm perfectly – now, obviously the big thing last year was the Nick Fitzgerald injury. There's been a ton of debate about how – was that injury something that just happened, or was it uh, caused by Ole Miss? Um, and, yes, obviously, we've talked about We get the irony, given the fact that we do not agree with Alabama fans saying we were diving for two of his ankles. I feel like when you watch the Ole Miss game from last year, it goes beyond the hit on Fitz. There were several times you saw hits on Keaton Thompson and just other things that happened to the game. Uh it really felt like Ole Miss certainly was trying to send a message the entire game. And that's the thing. I don't know if they were necessarily trying to break Fitz's ankle, but they were certainly trying to rough him up. It's a program that does tend to try to go after quarterbacks, though. It's kind of funny. Alabama fans are saying, oh, well, Mississippi State just tends to go after quarterbacks' knees, yet not in any other game has this ever been an issue for Mississippi State but the Alabama game. Kind of interesting, is it? But for Ole Miss, on the other just hand. Just about every single game Ole Miss has won. In recent history, every, the starting quarterback has gone down. I think, like, every Power 5 victory this year that the opposing quarterback's gone down, Arkansas, Texas Tech, both of their quarterbacks go down the game, and that stops Arkansas from scoring any points in the fourth quarter in a game in which Ole Miss wins only by two points. Yeah. So, again, this is just a program that you got to be you know, prepared if something like that were to happen again. Honestly, I don't think it would surprise any State fan. But the good news is – Unlike last year, you know, I think every state fan feels pretty confident that Keaton Thompson could win this game this year. If he's oh, no, I, I'm a lot more confident. 
circumstance. Like, just for fun, I actually read a Red Cup Rebellion article. <laughs> um, it was about this game, and I'll give some credit for Ole Miss fans this year. Most Ole Miss fans are – it could just be a giant ploy so that they throw it back on our faces when they somehow manage to pull it off. Yeah. But most Ole Miss fans are pretty down in the dumps about this game. Um or some of them are hoping that we kind of like a 2008 Egg Bowl happens, but in reverse so that they have to clean house. Yeah, I've seen uh, that. But, um, like, Red Cup Rebellion, because they were talking about Ole Miss going to win, and they sort of just hit all the points we've talked about. Uh, and one of the things they said was, honestly, even if Fitzgerald were to go out with injury, that might not be enough, given the fact that Keaton Thompson is a much better quarterback now than he was when he was thrown into that situation a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, did you see Fitz who made the little comment about taping his ankles a little better this time yeah. in this game? Yes. Uh, he, he, Fitz, in an interview, said uh, initially he didn't think it was intentional, but after some of the things he's seen this year, uh, he might tape those ankles a little, little more careful this time around, which, of course, Ole Miss fans lost their minds over that, that how dare the Mississippi State quarterback who had his leg snapped in half by two Ole Miss players suggest that we're trying to snap his leg in half. Um, <laughs> you know, but, I think that's the other thing that we need to keep on and mention is that I think Fitzgerald probably wants this game more than any state fan wants in the entire U.S. The fact that this team broke your leg last year and look, he was on pace, I think, to break the SEC rushing record last year, right? Or no, he was on pace to go over a thousand yards. That's what yeah, it was. yeah. He would have been over a thousand yards if it had not been for the injury. If it had not been for the injury. And look, they took that away from him. They took away a citrus bowl with Notre Dame possibly. They took away shot for ten wins. Yeah. I mean they they took away a lot just by doing that one yeah, play. Might have finished in the top ten. Yeah, you could have. I mean that it's just really unreal how that one play just changes everything. And, hey, for better or for worse, we're here now. And, look, there's no doubt in my mind that Nick Fitzgerald wants this game more than anyone that stadium will want it. Which, he's got to keep it under control. You yep. can't let that affect you to where you pull a 2015 Dak Prescott and you fumble on the first drive, throw a pick six a few drives later, and just can't get anything going because you're an emotional wreck. Good, good thing you brought that up because it is senior day for Ole Miss. It is not senior day for Mississippi well, State. They had that last week, so that's the other thing for Mississippi State that's going for them this game. So they don't have to deal with the senior day crap. That's true, but I, honestly, I don't know how much their senior their seniors probably happen to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> their, their senior day was one of the most laughable things I ever saw two years ago. And his brother and his other mother. And it was just like, oh, whatever. Um. But I think, look, if Fitz can take that emotion, because you're right, it's going to be there. Yeah. If he can take that and use it as the proper motivation, and honestly, use it the way Kentucky used the motivation we gave them early in the year. Mm-hmm. Look at what Kentucky did. Look at what Benny Snell did, and use it that way. Yeah. And if he does, he's going to go on to have a huge game. Exactly. That's pretty much it when it comes to a preview for Ole Miss. We're coming close to an hour for the show. This is going to be a very long show. Why it's going to be perfect. Like I said, if you're out going to be smoking a turkey, making the trip to Oxford, just need something while you're sitting around the house watching terrible Thanksgiving football games between the with the Lions and the Cowboys and just teams that aren't good. Yeah. Uh, something to listen to. So, like we said, brace yourselves. We have a lot more coming. Talk about bowl games for a second. Um, All right. A second. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be 
this bowl season, the way things shape out this weekend, even, I feel like even if every game goes as we it probably should be, it's going to be very interesting to see who the heck ends up where. Oh, exactly, and the college football playoff rankings are going to be a big part of that. And, look, we've seen in years past where, like, nothing really changes as far as games go, and then the college football playoff rankings make a big jump the next week. You know, I bring up the Orange Bowl, you know, where Mississippi State and Michigan State, where Michigan State's ranked ahead of Mississippi State. And one week where neither team plays any games, Mississippi State surpasses Michigan State, so they end up getting the Orange Bowl bid over them. You just never know with these college football playoff rankings, and you hit the nail on the head right there. Something like that could happen and could shape up the entire both uh, projections. And that's why... You know, again, looking even right now where there's only one regular season game left, these are all probably going to be different in a week. But still, I think it's good right now to get a chance to see where I think Mississippi State stands. Yeah. Um, So, assuming that the – let's say just assuming the higher-ranked teams win. So, the teams obviously we need to worry about are – the LSU Texas A&M battle, and that, that, Florida Florida State, Kentucky Louisville, and then us and Ole Miss, obviously. Yes. And looking at these games, obviously, I, I feel pretty good about State and Kentucky winning. I I feel really good about that. Um, Florida Florida State and LSU Texas A&M, those are two games I'm pretty concerned about. I think Florida's only favored by four, and Texas A&M's actually favored over LSU. So. Yeah. There are some uh, possibilities for some shakeups there, and we'll see what happens if those happen. But as far as right now, if LSU and Florida were both to win... As, as well as State and Kentucky, where do you think we end up? Yeah. Um, so, at this point, I don't think Kentucky's going to get high enough to make the uh, New Year's Six Bowls. Now, I think there is still a possibility that Kentucky makes a New Year's Six Bowl just because they're 15th and the teams ahead of them could end up losing... They could end up getting into the top 12. It would not surprise me at all. But because of Kentucky being ranked 15, I would find it hard to believe with Kentucky having only three losses and a win over Mississippi State, and Mississippi State has four losses, obviously, that the Citrus Bowl does not pass up Kentucky. Look, I know Kentucky lost to Tennessee and Georgia in November, and it's kind of derailed their season a bit. But still, this is one of the best seasons in Kentucky football history, and I think their fan base will be hungry for this. And I think they're going to be wanting to tra- uh, travel for an Orlando Bowl to celebrate the season. I just don't think – I know the Citrus Bowl has the ultimatum to decide things, but let's be real. I think the SEC will protest if they chose State over Kentucky, if Kentucky finishes the year we think and Mississippi State finishes the year they think. So with that being said, um, the way I've looked at the uh, bowls is that Obviously, I think Alabama's going to play off Georgia to the Sugar. And then I think LSU and Florida both make New Year's Six Bowls just because of where they're ranked right now. So where does that leave Mississippi State after the Citrus picks up Kentucky? Um, I think we're in the same bowl slots as far as the six bowls between the Outback, the Music City, the Texas, the Belk, the Gator, and Liberty as the SEC deems them equal. As Andrews pointed out multiple times, we don't necessarily think those are equal, that that's just it's very clear the outback gets that next yes. week after yeah um, and that's what I've looked at also and there's also a tendency for these bowl games not to select teams that have been there somewhat recently so for state that's the Gator and the Belk and actually the Gator Bowls flat out said they're not going to take Mississippi State so 
I'll mark that off the, the list. The Liberty Bowl, you'd have probably have to lose another game yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, to me, right now, I think the three most likely bowls are the Outback, the Music City, and the Texas Bowl. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if State got into either of those three. However, after going through the full SEC bowl projections and looking through recent history of teams that play in bowl games, just looking at where teams would fit the best, it seems apparent to me at this point that Mississippi State would actually fit best in the Outback Bowl at this point. The, the teams that State has uh, contending with in this just have a lot of recent history with the Outback Bowl. Um, and also, State owns head-to-head over some of these teams like Auburn and Texas A&M where they would be vying for that. I think your biggest challenger for the Outback Bowl right now would be Missouri. Who, I would agree. Who is aimed for. But I think the thing that helps State is I was looking at these college football playoff rankings. That's what I was going to look for to see if Missouri was ranked. They're not ranked at all right now. They could end up ranked after the last season, though. But They could, but right now the fact that they aren't ranked and the fact that they're not going to be ranked over State, yeah. to, unless State loses, obviously, and, but – Three of the four seasons that we've had this current format, the Outback Bowl has had a ranked SEC team. The one mm-hmm. year they did not was last year, and that is because they chose to take unranked South Carolina ahead of ranked Mississippi State, and that was 100% because of the circumstances surrounding Mississippi State's team at that point. Yeah, and Auburn's not going to be ranked. I mean, they're going to lose this weekend, so that's right. going to scratch them out. And Tech- if A&M loses, they're going to fall out. Mm-hmm. And even if they do win, well, State has head-to-head over them. What's funny, though, is... Like there, are, I've seen people who are like predicting Texas A&M to the Outback Bowl, and like it's it's under the assumption that they lose to LSU. You know, it's and that of, state wins their game. Yeah, I just don't see that, and my my projections are for Texas A&M losing that game just because Texas A&M I think has actually played the Outback Bowl recently. From what I was looking at, could be wrong. I could have been just looking at the Music City Texas and Belk, which is probably what they I they have not at. played at the Texas Bowl recently. Uh, Outback Bowl recently. Okay, well then I was just since looking. joining the SEC, they played it. They went Cotton, uh, Cotton, uh, Peach Bowl, um, Liberty. They've done the Music City and the Belk. They've done the Texas too. And the Texas, yeah. So, yeah, so when I was looking at Texas A&M, I knew that they had done favorable bowls. That's why the Gator Bowl, to me, just seemed perfect for them. Yeah, no, the Gator Bowl does seem to make sense because also the Gator Bowl seems to have that next pick after that. And a Florida Bowl, they haven't gone there yet. Um, so. And I know you don't care as much about the other SEC teams, but I'll just roll through them. I think Music City picks up Missouri, Texas to Auburn, um, Belk to South Carolina, I'm not sure how confident I am about that one, but I'll just leave it at that. And the Liberty, because the Liberty tends to pick the worst SEC team, um, I think it'll be the winner of the Vanderbilt-Tennessee game, which makes perfect sense because they're both in the state of Tennessee too. So that one seemed like the easiest one of them all. Yeah. Um, Now, we won't spend too much time on it, but let's say state loses, but every other other, – Every other result holds the way we'd expect it to. So okay. LSU still beats A&M. Uh, Florida wins their game. Kentucky wins their game. But State loses their game. Now, obviously, State's probably dropping out of the top 25 um, at that point. Uh, where do you think State ends up? You know, that, that's a really tough one. I would actually still think State ends up in the Music City or Texas Bowl, though. Just because I know the Liberty Bowl, you would think that'd be a good one, but I just don't think that the Liberty Bowl would pass up Vanderbilt or Tennessee, in my opinion. Yeah, 
That's, yeah. that's, that's my honest assessment of them. I know the Belk and the Gator are not going to select you just because you've been to those bowl games in recent years. Obviously, you're not going to go to the Citrus or Outback, so just scratch those out. So, Missouri probably ends up in the Outback. Yeah. And so, to me, I tend to agree with you, though. Uh, to, and to me, probably what happens, and if my bowl projections head up, State ends up like in the Music City Bowl, honestly. Maybe Texas, but still, they they could end up there. Just well, I don't think Texas A&M is going to go back because they were in the Music City Bowl just a few years ago. In fact, no, um, I think they're going to the Gator. Period. Like that's just where I think they're. Yeah, going. Yeah, I, I think that's where Texas A&M probably ends up, uh, and that, that would make a lot of sense. State go either to the Texas Bowl or the Music City Bowl because at that point you're talking about State being a seven and five team. Well, Auburn's also going to be seven and five. A&M would be seven and five. South Carolina seven and five. Uh, that's if South Carolina beats Akron, who they yeah. added their extra game with. Uh, it 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 would just make a lot of sense that State would go into one of those bowl games where they're close to. Um, I'm going to give you some dates for these bowl games, uh, for the four bowl games that we think State has the best chance for. Um, obviously, best case scenario, if something weird were to happen and State ends up at the Citrus Bowl, that would be on January 1st. That is also the same date as the Outback Bowl, which is where we think State will end up at this point. Um, as far as the Music City Bowl goes, that would be on December 28th. And if you did end up in the Texas Bowl... Uh, 27th. Is it, it's the 27th. Okay, yes. so so December 27th. So um, if you were... Obviously, that's why we talked about the Outback Bowl as being a little bit different because it's on New Year's Day. And New Year's Day, Florida Bowls are always looked on as... I haven't played in a New Year's Day Bowl game since the 2012, 2013 Gator Bowl. Okay. So... The thing is... And that bowl game was a New Year's yeah. game. So the other thing, one last thing I want to hit on this is there were some talks about Mississippi State and Penn State possibly being matched up in a bowl game. There's a lot of talk about that. I don't think that's likely just because if you looked at the recent college football playoff rankings, Penn State, I believe, was ranked, oh, let me get that correct, 12th, which means they would be in line for a New Year's Six Bowl. My guess is if... They're going to beat Rutgers this week, so I just don't see them dropping out of the New Year's Six um, Bowl selection. So I think they're going to end up going to New Year's Six Bowl, and I don't think Mississippi State faces them under any scenario. Penn State? Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. I don't know if they'll – I don't know if they can jump back up that high, but uh, – I mean, they're number 12. I mean, that's where they uh, need to be, right? Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I just think they might end up picking some other teams, but that's interesting. They could end up in that situation. Uh Obviously, the big chaos is the issue. Let's say let's say State wins their game, but then Texas A&M upsets LSU. Florida loses to Florida State. I'm not really concerned about Kentucky-Louisville because if Kentucky loses, they're just going to fall below State. And honestly, Kentucky losing probably benefits MSU yeah. in terms of bowl yeah, I mean, I mean, Kentucky, look, I know they would have head-to-head and you still have the same record, but this would be a team we'd be talking about that only beat Middle Tennessee and lost three of their last four with two – I will say it bad, would be a lot like Tennessee. last year LSU ahead of State. Yeah, where LSU ended up, you know, they did have a better record in State, but it was like State beat them head to head and beat the crap out of them. Mm. Uh, but LSU had a better November, and State did not finish strong. They ended up getting a bad loss late, right? Which is what Kentucky would have two bad losses late, actually, in Tennessee and Louisville. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you um, there. Um, so you want the worst? I mean, the weirdest scenario. We don't necessarily have to predict it because I don't. I don't know how you would predict it. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I mean, it's just one of those things. If Florida loses, they're going to fall out of a New Year's Six. 
LSU is in a position that with a loss they could be they would be on the fringe, but personally, I still think they fall out of a New Year's six. Now, what's crazy is that would set them up for a Citrus Bowl berth once again, but I don't think the Citrus Bowl is taking them three years in a row. They will not. Uh, but they, you, know, you talk about Texas A&M, they're sitting at number two. They beat a top ten LSU team. They're probably moving up near the top fifteen, even and they might. I don't know if they would move ahead of state, but. They would have that win over LSU that State would not have. So Even though State beat them head-to-head and beat the crap out of them, but sometimes the committee's weird. Yeah, the committee is weird. Um, so I'll digest this one at a time. So I do seem – the way that since the LSU's ranked number seven, if they do drop another game, it will be interesting to me. They are on the borderline. But what I'm thinking is if they do end up dropping the Texas A&M, I'm thinking the committee's going to think just because of the perception of LSU just – being bad in November right now. I just don't think they're going to keep them up there to get a New Year's Six Bowl, which makes it interesting because I agree with you. The Citrus Bowl is not going to take LSU three three years in a row. There's just no doubt about that. Even if LSU's the one team that they have left, I mean, let's just be real. No bowl, no bowl game is going to take them three years in a row. LSU will end up in the outback, in my honest opinion, if they end up uh, dropping that low. So I, I think that, to me – sets up bad for State because I think the they would still take Kentucky over LSU, and that would just drop State down another notch to Music City. As far as Florida losing, um, yeah, I think I think the Citrus easily takes Florida, actually, oh, without, yeah. without hesitation. I mean, that's in Florida. Um, the only real question, though, would be because Florida had a bad November. They lost to Missouri under this scenario, lost to Georgia, which might have been in October, but still – they lost to uh, Florida State, a bad Florida State team that Florida fans expected to beat. That would just kill a lot of momentum and make Florida fans not really willing to go to a bowl game at all. But I think anytime if you're the Citrus Bowl, you have the opportunity to get Florida. I think that's what they're going to try to get. And to me, that just drops down stay another notch to the Music City or Texas, in my opinion. I, I To me, I don't see a scenario where State – at worst, doesn't go to the Music City or Texas under any circumstance. I tend to agree. Um, it really seems like it's going to be one of those three out of the Music City, the Texas Bowl, or the Outback Bowl. I Obviously, the ideal choice is the Outback Bowl. Mm. By the way, Outback Bowl, uh, that means we get to go to Busch Gardens because they yeah. do Battle of the Bands at Busch Gardens. Uh, so even, even if we do end up at somewhere like the Music City Bowl, I won't complain. I mean, no, I'm not gonna necessarily complain if we go anywhere, but Outback is certainly where I want to be. Oh yeah, me, uh, me too. I'd, Hey, playing in the Florida game is fun, and look, I'll, I'll be real with you. I'd rather go to Orlando than uh, Tampa, so that'd be fun as well if, if they ended yeah, up in the Citrus happen. Bowl. But uh, we'll see. Who knows? We'll have to let the results play out this week because guess what? As we both pointed out, these results are going to look pretty wrong next week once these games are being played. <laughs> yeah, because crazy things always happen. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're taking a little break from the football talk. We figured since it's the Thanksgiving special, the extra long Thanksgiving special, yeah. we do a little Thanksgiving talk. So I want to start off with uh, some, of our, some of our favorite things to do on Thanksgiving. So I'll let you go first, Will. What, what are some of your – do your family have any, like, traditions, anything specific that you like to do on Thanksgiving, Any uh, anything that you ha- have to do or uh, well, anything along those lines? Um, I think what we try to do is we try to have a family meal of some sort. Um, it may not be the traditional Thanksgiving meal, but sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I think we try to have a meal together, just yeah, 
be thankful for and talk, talk about stuff along that lines. I wouldn't say that there's like a specific tradition. Um, half the time, we're not at our own house. We're somewhere else, which is fine because, I mean, Thanksgiving's the perfect time to travel and go someplace if you're not spending time with an extended family of some sort. So to me, I, I think that's a good way to spend Thanksgiving is to just take have a good trip, eat some good food, and uh, have fun along the way. And that's kind of mine. I'm sure you have a much different version of Thanksgiving <laughs> than not me. but We typically do a little bit more of the traditional family Thanksgiving um, or a southern family Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't follow a lot. Like, I know like... Yankees up north. There's like a lot of specific. I heard about, I learned about this. I didn't know like because my one of my professors was talking about it because they're going to see his in laws and he doesn't like how they do things. They have a specific time they have to eat. Uh, they have a specific like the you have to do these foods, these foods. Like obviously everybody's got the foods they have to cook, but they like it has to be done a specific way. Um, I think he's, he's got a family like they they're like one of the only do turkey families. Uh, although I think he still says like he he brings ham just for himself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, better than those West Coast people that eat salads, which yes. might, that might put a damper on their little tradition this year. Eat salad at Thanksgiving. Ooh, that's what I want to do. And it sounds like uh, that tradition's going to be a little dampered from their New Year's this week. Yeah. Uh, stay uh, away from romaine. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's enough of that. Do, do not eat romaine lettuce. But with us, I mean, it basically it's just one of those deals. You get up in the morning mm-hmm. and turn on the Macy's Parade. And we're sitting around, and then people, like, my dad typically gets up early, starts smoking the turkey, um, and we just get the food cooking, and normally we're, normally we're not able to eat till about 4 or 5 o'clock, anytime in between that range. Now, when I, uh, my cousins were not, had not moved away, when they were still within range, like, all, they, we'd all come to go to our place, uh, we typically, we'd go all out and have a nice big football game out mm-hmm. in the yard, uh, like, when I say all out, like, we'd make fields, we had a goalpost. Yeah. That stood for many years. Um, rest in peace, because <laughs> it's been blown over by the wind and broke um, <laughs> many times. It's broken, uh, and like that, that. Like for me, like I always said, the reason I love Thanksgiving is food and football. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite sport. I love Thanksgiving food. I can sit around watching games all day, watch the NFL games. I can whatever college games on that night, whether it be the Egg Bowl or anything else. Mm-hmm eat amazing food, and go play football in the yard, which, I mean, I, even though I'm not in the physical shape to do it, I love going yeah. out and playing football. So that's sort of our thing. We don't necessarily have, like, set traditions. Uh, there are certainly dishes we make sure we cook every year, but, um, you know, our, our Thanksgiving is more sort of a hangout and just just eat the food and watch whatever's on TV. Yeah, I understand that. So how about, speaking of eating, let's do, we're going to do steal a little segment from uh, a podcast that I like to listen to from Barstool Sports, pardon my take. Uh, one of their th- things that they do over the off- football offseason is they do Mount Rushmore season, where just about every show they do a Mount Rushmore of whatever random topic they want to talk about for the day. Um, so I decided we're going to bring that to this show, and we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving foods. Um, so we're going to do this snake draft style. So whoever f- picks first, they will go, but then the pick two will get two picks back-to-back. And then it will go two picks. Because there's only two of us, it's going to go pick back-to-back, pick back-to-back, all the way until each of us have four total items to complete our Mount Rushmore. And then I think we might run a poll. Uh, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll continue their thing. We'll run a poll whose Mount Rushmore is better Okay. on the Twitter page. That, they, that's what they do on, the, on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know we're like completely just stealing ideas here, but I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah. No, nobody cared about this podcast. No. Um, we're not on their level. Let's be so real. We'll, we'll let you uh, let you guys vote on who had the better poll, who had the better Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving food. So I don't know. Rock paper scissors. See who gets number one overall pick. Sure. I will go on, go on shoot. All right. All right. Rock, Rock paper scissors shoot. Oh dang. Rock, Rock paper, paper scissors shoot. Uh We'll do two out of oh, okay. no, we can't do two out of three. Will one. Okay, so Will okay. is number one overall pick. Okay. So Will, what is your first pick? And I'm pretty sure it's obvious because it's Thanksgiving. Who are you taking number one overall in this? I mean, you know, it's the overwhelming favorite, and I absolutely have to take it. I have to take turkey. Um, anytime that you you're drafting anyone, you have to take your quarterback or your leader on the field. And to me, turkey is the leader on the field. It's going to strengthen the rest of my foods because I have a leader that is sustainable. Everyone knows who this person is and everyone absolutely enjoys it for Thanksgiving. So not well, everybody enjoys it. Well, it's not necessarily I'll be I'll be real, it's not necessarily my favorite, but I know in order for me to win this, I have to get the best playmakers on this and to me Turkey gives me in the best position to do this. Okay, well, look, here's the deal. Turkey's important. It's a big part of Thanksgiving. I love smoked turkey. I love fried turkey. Roasted turkey can go be thrown back in the oven because it's absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Thanksgiving is not about the turkey. Thanksgiving is about the sides. And I'm going to go, since I got my two picks back-to-back here for this snake draft style. All right. Two of the best sides there are. Let's start off with uh, cornbread dressing. Okay. And that stuff, smothered in gravy, smothered in hot sauce, eat it with your turkey, stick it in a sandwich, I don't care. Cornbread dressing is spectacular. Um, It is not stuffing. They are two entirely different things. (laughs) Stuffing is stuffed up the bird's butt. Okay? Dressing is made separate in a pan. And it's cooked in the oven. Not inside the bird, cooked by itself. It is not, you're not eating stuffing, you are eating dressing. And my mom's cornbread dressing is the greatest freaking thing you can eat on Thanksgiving. It is spectacular. And with the number two pick for me, you know, it's tough. It's, it's tight between, ooh, it's, it's, you know, it's tight fought battle between uh, two really classic sides. But we think we know which one is the most popular to this day and age. So let's go mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is a goat side. Now, it is not traditional to Thanksgiving. Well, it's not like a Thanksgiving-specific side, but... It, it certainly you it finds its way to the Thanksgiving dinner table many times, and it's uh, certainly delightful and something people want to eat. So uh, I will take mac and mac and cheese, and I typed mac inside. <laughs> so, Will, what is your number two pick? Uh, my number two pick because oftentimes I'll have both, and probably I favor this a lot more than turkey is ham. Um, I'm going to take ham because. For one, I kind of like having the variety of turkey and ham. Um, ham goes well with a lot of different things. Um, the next day, oftentimes, I'll have ham sandwiches just because to find some different things to do with the leftovers. So to me, that's that. And uh, I was surprised you went with mac and cheese because that was probably what I was going to take. So you put a little damper on me but there. But uh, for my side that I'm going to take, I'm going to take mashed potatoes with gravy. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if that's traditional or not. Um, no, it is. Ch- okay, it is. Um, so I was going to take it if you didn't. 
Yeah, um, so to me, um, it's one of my one of my favorites. Actually, I probably prefer macaroni and cheese, but to me, I'll have mashed potatoes and gravy. That's the second best to me. Um, I just think it goes well with a lot of things, and to me, it, it'll go perfectly with this. Okay, that's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to go with another side, since I'm going to keep the thing. Look, Thanksgiving is about the sides. Mm-hmm. Green bean casserole. Okay. Great on Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people. A lot of people aren't big on green beans. Green bean casserole is the bomb, and it is perfect for Thanksgiving. It is the perfect meal. Uh, keep yourself nice and stuffed. So that's when we go. Uh, you have a, do you have a comment on that? Um, I don't really like green beans, so you can totally have that one. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, and look, ham was a good pick. I wasn't sure if you would take two top meats, but. Uh, you know, I probably would, if, if I didn't usually do that, have two top meats for Thanksgiving, like, or I've had it in the past like that, I probably wouldn't, because it, I know it's kind of odd, but because I have and it goes well together, I just did. Now, I've gone with three side dishes. I do not have, like, the main entree, so, obviously, it means i got to go dessert here. Mm -hmm. Now, if we were up north, you know, you might say it's going to be pumpkin pie, when pumpkin pie is great. Mm-hmm. We're in the south, and down south we eat sweet potato pie. Okay. We also eat pecan pie, and I like I love me some pecan pie too. My mom can make a killer pecan pie, but she also makes some amazing sweet potato pie. Mm -hmm. And sweet potato pie is a perfect pie for Thanksgiving. I am not a sweet. I do not like sweet potatoes, and yet I am putting sweet potato pie down. Mm -hmm. So that tells you that it is worthy of being on a Mount Rushmore of uh, Thanksgiving food. So that is my final pick: sweet potato pie. Will, you have one last pick. You have some killer sides, um, and I agree with you. I'm going to have to come up with a dessert here. Um, I actually had some pumpkin pie the other day at the Perry. So shout As out did to, I. Shout out to the Thanksgiving at the Perry. I, I like it and all, um, but I feel like I'm going to have to go real traditional here just because both of us have left this dish off, and I'm going to go with cranberry sauce. Oh, God. I'm not really a huge fan of it myself, but I feel like as traditional as Thanksgiving is, I have to pick the fruitcake of Thanksgiving, so. Yeah. What we do, we don't, we don't actually make cranberry sauce. Mm -hmm. We do, like, it's cranberry jello that's, like, mixed with, like, like chopped up apples, mandarin oranges, uh, like, different fruits mixed into there. That stuff's pretty good, uh, but cranberry, and, like, we'll put, like, Cool Whip on top of it. Yeah. Or whatever. Cranberry sauce just disgusting. So, <laughs> just run through our picks real fast. Will with his number one overall pick: turkey. Number two, ham. Number three, mashed potatoes with gravy. Number four, cranberry sauce. That's look. That's a solid lineup. Uh, four of the three of the traditionalists. Um, you know, I think if you had had uh, like pumpkin pie in there, you might have been the runaway winner. But I think the fact that I got all those sides. Mm -hmm. My number one, cornbread dressing, the goat. Number two, mac and cheese, another goat. Number three, green bean casserole. Pretty freaking solid. And number four, sweet potato pie, the goat. <laughs> like, I think we all know who won here because, like I said, Thanksgiving's about the sides. But I'm going to let you people vote. So I'll put out the poll tomorrow morning. I will set a reminder on my phone right now so that I actually don't forget to do this. And that way you guys can vote. Who is the winner of this Mount Rushmore? The winner gets nothing. Hey, we've got the meats. And Thanksgiving's about the meats. Not really. So I thought, since it's the Egg Bowl... We should do a little segment. We should talk about why do we hate Ole Miss? <laughs> now, obviously, you hate your rivals. It's teams you, you know, 
whenever you're going to play a team every single year, an in-state rivalry, you know, it's just natural. You start to dislike that team. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the Egg Bowl's been talked about a lot. of The Egg Bowl's been getting a lot more national attention recently um, about how much hate is in this rivalry. Um, the, the fact that um, we have a member of the NSU beat our local media who is literally the reason that a now former head coach was fired at Ole Miss <laughs> that has to tell you how much we freaking hate each other. Yeah. So, you know, one of those hate-filled rivalries in college football, I hate the crap out of Ole Miss. Will, why don't you start us off and tell us, why do you hate the Rebels? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to hate these people. I also think there's a lot of reasons to laugh at these people because they're some of the most entertaining people I've ever seen in my life. The amount of delusions that they actually believe is really unbelievable. But one of the reasons I hate these people more, probably more than any other fan base is the entitlement to something that they believe they have that they just don't have. It's in everything that they do in Oxford. And I'll give you one example. The Walk of Champions. It's absolutely one of the most comical things I've ever seen in my life. These people, every year, or you know, every football Saturday, walk through the Walk of Champions on their way to their football stadium through the Grove, pretending like they've actually won something of any significance. It's kind of comical, actually. They, they can proclaim that they won stuff in the 1950s and 1960s where the majority of their fan base doesn't even remember or that doesn't even know that they actually won something during that time. They can pretend that they won all that. Hey, man, pre-integration football is wonderful. That's what we should be celebrating. Oh, yeah. Before well, African-Americans could even play. Oh, yeah. Some of the most exciting football ever, I bet, too, to ever witness. Uh, I could go on and on about that topic, but I definitely will not. But the, the other thing to me that just absolutely sets these people apart to me is their proclamation and their obsession of how much better their college town and their university is than any other college town or university on the planet. And it's, I've heard someone say, say this about Oxford and University of Mississippi. It's 10, 10 square miles surrounded by reality. And I don't think there's anything else that perfectly summarizes that university and that town more than that statement right there. Ole Miss and Oxford live in their own little bubble. They think that they're the best. They think that everyone should proclaim that they're the best because they got Katy Perry to come to the Grove. They got... Uh, <laughs> they actually think that. They got the best tailgating because a small plot of grass... People will just crowd up into it, and that's what makes it better than everything else is that they pack I love up. places where I can't even cook. Yes. That, that's great tailgating yes. right there. Be, but it's so great because wear, you're all packed we, together. Because you're wearing a bow tie. That mm-hmm. suddenly makes it better. Yes. You know, the thing to me about this university, look, they try so hard to be something that they aren't. At the end of the day, they will always be Ole Miss. They will always be someone who thinks that they are better than what they are, but in reality, they will always be at the bottom of the SEC from everything from academics to athletics. And that's what they've always been. And I know this isn't football, but just to tell you about the culture of what this university is, I think it needs to be said. I once attended a basketball game at Ole Miss. And, because, and you know, they've never won the SEC in basketball, never. You know, the SEC's been around since, I think, 1933. Never have they won the SEC in basketball. So instead, they have, as a banner, 
the 1923 Southern Conference champion, Bishop Banner, I think they must have claimed or something, up proud. And this is in their new arena, too. This isn't in the tap pad. This is in their new arena. They got this Southern Conference champions banner hanging up. They want to be champions so bad that they have to go back over a basically a hundred years to even find something that they've been relevant in. They hang a banner for a co-SEC Western Division title mm -hmm. in 2003. That they, well, There was no co about it. When LSU played you on your own field and beat you on your own field, and LSU went on to win a national championship because they played in Atlanta. By the way, you still haven't played in Atlanta. Ha ha. Um, you lost to Memphis that year. If you thought you actually should have went to the SEC title game that year, dream on. Yeah. Their fan base is ridiculous. Do you have any closing remarks you'd like to say? Um, I would just like to say, as my closing remark, that believe it or not, Ole Miss fans, you've never been relevant, and you're you're going to continue to never be relevant. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So many of Will's points I completely agree with. Um, yeah, this this idea of entitlement. Mm -hmm. Um, Ole Miss fans, especially the way they the way they behave throughout the entire NCAA investigation into their dirty, cheating, rotten program. The way they behaved themselves, the way they acted, it was very clear. They feel entitled. They feel that they everything should be handed to them. People should turn a blind eye to them because they think the University of Mississippi means something. Uh, honestly, though, what just kills me the most is their arrogance, cockiness, and snobbiness. You know, and what's funny is they embrace it. They have the T-shirts they sell that say, we're not snobs. We're just better than you. Um, <laughs> yes, you're so much better than me. Your daddy money. Going to be working at a car dealership in five years looking frat boy self. But, no, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, in, in but, not, not, I'm sorry, not entitlement. I'm starting to get off a tangent here. Uh, this idea of superiority. They have it in their mind that everything about Oxford, everything about their school, everything about their football team, everything about their athletic history is supposed to be better than Mississippi State. Oh, yeah. Let's ignore the fact that we have kicked their butts historically in baseball. We've dominated them in basketball. Women's basketball, congrats on your history, but it's pretty clear which program is better right now. And look who's been dominating it in recent history. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um you know, they can talk all they want about their lead in the football series, but the reality is, since 1990, both teams are, it's 14 and 14. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's even over the past 10 years, or it's like 6 four to, six to 4 Mississippi State, or whatever it is. I don't know. The fact is, you, you, you aren't as dominant in football as you are ever since things got, uh, ever since things started to move back to campuses and we stopped playing in Jackson. Mm hmm. It's pretty even between the two of us, so stop pretending that you're all that much better. Oxford is a nice little town. It is not the mecca of college towns. It is not the greatest place on earth. It is not a party that never stops. The Grove, as Will said, is not this great, amazing tailgating scene. It's not the best thing available to you if you're going to tailgate. You do nothing special out there. You don't even let people cook. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that special about your school and your university and your fan base. Mm -mm. But in the fact that they think that they are so much better than Mississippi State and everything that they do is it, it's the most annoying and ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I, I, I've seen it. Uh, one thing that said Ole Miss uh, 
Alabama arrogance with a Vanderbilt trophy case. <laughs> I mean, Vanderbilt's won a national title. Yeah. And no Ole Miss, I do not care about your three claimed national titles from the late 50s and the early 60s, in which the AP poll, the legitimate college football poll, did not name you number one once. No. Um, no, he, he, I'm sorry. You didn't win national championships back then. And you can brag all you want about your six SEC titles. Literally no one cares that you won an SEC title back in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. It means nothing to anyone these days. How many of your fans actually saw that title take place? It's like one of the things. Mm-hmm. I am not going to celebrate Mississippi State 1998 going to Atlanta all that much. Uh, we'll talk about it as great history. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm not someone who cares that much that it happened all, for the most part because – I had just been born. Well, well, the one thing you don't see from State either is them proclaiming their 1941 SEC title they won. You know what I mean? Or the fact that they don't claim a national championship of 1941. Some of our fans say we should, but it's kind of as a joke. Yeah. Because, in which, by the way, it's, it is hilarious how Alabama claims a title that year. That's another horrible fan base that we talked about a few weeks ago. But I mean, I don't disagree that you have the argument to make it if a team no, like that should. If, if a team like that is claiming it, then yeah, I do agree that you have the argument to make it. But again, an Alabama I don't think team you that you beat and you had had a worse record than you, yeah, and was not a conference champion, unlike you, decided was decided to declare claim a national title for that year because one obscure poll that bases it off of strength of schedule decided that they yeah. were the, a national champion that year. But, but um, going that, off a yeah, tangent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different discussion for another day. Another horrible school that needs to get its pri- get its priorities straight. Hopefully. But speaking of priorities straight, Ole Miss, you aren't what you think you are. Yeah. You aren't this great, amazing place. Your program is not what you think it is. Nobody flocks to Ole Miss. <laughs> Their fans believe that they can get any commit because, well, once they get to Oxford – They'll see how wonderful and lavish of a place this <laughs> is. And no one No, they came to Oxford because you were paying them hundreds of thousands of dollars to come there. Don't don't even freaking lie. It, it, Oxford is not that special that the students want to show up. All they have to do is see those beautiful Southern Bells. There are hot girls at every freaking campus in the SEC. Don't act like yours are are made well, we breed Miss Americas down here. Wonderful. We kicked your butt in Miss Mississippi recently too. Don't, so don't even talk about that. I mean, a lot of that, it was pretty old. You had to go back past the decades to find the Miss America stuff, too. I didn't dig into that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Well, isn't that old Miss, though, bragging about things from years and years ago that literally yeah. no one gives a crap about these yeah. days? Yeah. Man. They talk and talk about how they own Mississippi State, which Ole Miss and owning people. Hmm. I know a thing or two about that. Um <laughs> Because any time a state fan points out uh, the way the rivalry has turned in recent history, all they want to say is, yeah, but we have that big lead on you in the series. You, you aren't our real rival. LSU is our real rival. How can you be our real rival when we have a 20-game lead in the series? Okay. LSU has a 21-game lead over Ole Miss in the all-time series, and it's been even more dominant recently than, like, we talk about state Ole Miss has been even recently. LSU has been kicking their butts recently, and it's not even close. And yet they think the Magnolia, they think old LSU is their real rival. LSU has won 18 games since 1990. Ole Miss has only won 11. 
Compared to in that same time frame, it's 14 and 14 for State Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Dead even. Yeah. LSU, the, the way you like to pretend, well, we don't care about y'all, which, is, by the way, is a load of bull. LSU does not care about you. They don't. They laugh at Ole Miss fans saying that Ole Miss is their biggest rival. They, in the same way that y'all try to do it to us. See, the reason we say that Ole Miss is our biggest rival because you're our in-state rival who we play every single year and that we have to fight for for every commit. The, our fan base is divided within the state. We say you're our real rival because you are our, our real rival. Yeah, I mean, you don't see Mississippi State try to go to Alabama and say, oh, Alabama is our real rival. Ole Miss fans say LSU is their real rival because they want to feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. They think that saying that a program like LSU, if we say it's our real rival, that makes us some, somehow it makes us a more superior program. Yeah, being superior, that's a great w- way of thinking. Uh, trying to make LSU your rival, a team that just got its butt kicked by Alabama and has gotten its butt kicked by Alabama the past seven years. So what they are trying to say is they want to be second to Alabama by yeah. doing that. What What's so great, though, is I love how their fans act about the Egg Bowl, though. When they lose the Egg Bowl, we don't care about that game. I've actually seen an Ole Miss fan say that before on some random comment on a post, we don't really care about beating State. We're more focused on winning an SEC title. (laughs) That's the most freaking ridiculous statement I've ever heard in my life for a number of reasons. Uh, If they were so focused on winning an SEC title, why have they won one since the 1960s? They must be doing a pretty bad job of focusing on that. It's... Amazing how they act like it's a, when we lose to say eh, whatever. It's not that big. It's not that important of a game to us. When they beat state, haha, little brother, we own you. We've always owned you. You will always be the second team in this state. We're number one. Hotty toddy, fail state. You little stupid mutts. They act like they won the freaking Super Bowl every last year. There were Ole Miss fans saying we won the only bowl ma- bowl game that matters. Yeah, and I love that they will. They will only admit that they care about the Egg Bowl when they win it. And why will they not admit? Because they view caring about the Egg Bowl as a Mississippi State thing. They think only, for them, admitting you care about that rivalry means that they are inferior somehow. means that they are bringing themselves down a level. They think they need to be superior. So for them, being superior means that we, we don't care about that game all that much. No, you care about it. You fired coaches over that game before. In this decade, there's only one team that has stormed the field after an Egg Bowl win. Only one team. That's true. Yeah. Don't tell me you don't care about the Egg Bowl when you stormed the field after beating us in 2012. Yeah. There's only one team that has stormed the field, and that is Ole Miss. Don't tell me you don't care about the Egg Bowl when your trash school is planting a flag at midfield. I hope we do the same thing if we win this game. I don't care if we do or not. If we don't, I just want to do that to show that we could give a crap less about that inferior Jacksonville State-like program. Yeah, when you have a receiver who's acting like he's taking a piss in the end zone like a dog, and you got Breland Speaks over there throwing cheap shots the whole freaking game, don't tell me you don't care about this game, and it ain't important to you. It is very important to you and your fan base. And for y'all to act like you're so high and mighty and pretend that it's not just because it makes you feel superior, makes you feel better about yourself, is the biggest freaking joke I've ever heard. They hate Mississippi State so much because they want to be Mississippi State. And in every single action that they do, it has become quite apparent to me that they want to become Mississippi State so bad. 
They've seen Mississippi State dominating in men's basketball. They try to build a new arena, try to build up some new support, get a Mississippi State alum as their head basketball coach. They want to become Mississippi State so badly. Baseball is another example. They see Mississippi State setting off attendance records, seeing them dominate baseball. They try to create their own little stadium, try to create their own little right field, left field lounge knockoff. But instead of creating a good atmosphere, they just create an atmosphere that you just throw beer at each other. Man. They just waste a bunch of beer. <laughs> yeah. What pathetic, what a bunch of pathetic people to do that kind of crap. And better yet, why don't we talk about the Ole Miss football program, of which, if you saw this article this this past week by Ross Dellinger, which was absolutely great, and I think you should. You should well, check it out. I shared it on Facebook, but it, it didn't go great because, uh, like, the the picture he had selected didn't come up on my Facebook. But anyway, it's uh, Dellinger he kind of talking about the hate in the yeah. Bowl and the history of the hate. And some of the stuff that's happened between the two football programs, mm-hmm. pretty interesting. You should give it a read. Oh, yeah. And one of the things he brings up is that when Houston Nutt first lost to Egg Bowl, that there were so many Ole Miss fans coming at him saying, you got to beat Mississippi State. you got to beat Mississippi State. And this was coming off an Ole Miss season of which – They went uh, to the Cotton Bowl. They went to the Cotton Bowl and won the Cotton Bowl. They won the Cotton Bowl, too. That's the other thing. So And they beat LSU that year, actually. They beat their rival. Yes, they did. They beat their rival. <laughs> they, <laughs> I did not remember that. I forgot. So, in a year where Ella Ole Miss claims that they beat their real rival, went to the Cotton Bowl, which is now a New Year's Six Bowl, and beat the crap out of it, whoever Texas was. Tech. That, was that the Texas Tech year? Yeah, I believe so. Beat the crap out of Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't Texas Tech 2008, though? It could have been Oklahoma State. I'll I think it was it Oklahoma State. It doesn't really matter. Beat the crap out of the team they were playing. But because they lost to little, little old Mississippi State, their fans were talking about how much uh, – well, I think it's the next year, though, because that's... Uh, yeah, you're right. It would have been next year. My bad. Uh, yeah, it was Oklahoma State. Yeah, they, they played Oklahoma State. Okay, they didn't beat the crap out of them. It was 21-7, but still. Get a big win and a big bowl game. Beat the team that they say is their real rival. But because they lost to State, all of a sudden, they, they, they look down on the season. Yeah, freaking admit it, you morons. You care about this game, and it means just as much to you as it does to State fans. And Probably it, even more, honestly, the way you've treated it the past 10 years. But, but you're talking about treating – they always ask, nice. state fans are so obsessed with us. State fans care so much about what we do, and they're, they're always uh, – and look, you know what? Some state fans do go a little bit too far with it. Oh, yeah. But there's a reason state fans act the way they do about the Egg Bowl and make fun of you the way that we do. It's because for years and years, state fans had to put up with Ole Miss fans giving them nothing but crap about how they were second-class citizens, they're the rednecks, bums of this state – all the backwoods hill country people that are never going to win anything, never make it in life, while they're these stuck-up snobby lawyers and doctors down in freaking Jackson. There is a reason that state fans give you crap like we do. It's because y'all were dishing it out for years and years and years, telling us that we are little brother. And you know what, state? When we finally got to a point where we were able to take care of business against you, we're going to throw it back at you ten times harder. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, quite frankly, I think that's what's already happened. I freaking hate Ole Miss. Jeez. I cannot stand that school, their fan. Look, are there good Ole Miss fans? Yes, there are good fans in every fan base. I have Ole Miss friends. But when you get, in, in general, I hate Ole Miss. I hate their fans. I hate everything about their university and what they stand for. They are trash. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was fun to oh, yell yeah. about. Uh, let's keep the A-Bowl. Let's go. 
each do our top three Egg Bowl related moments. Now, we couldn't do top three Egg Bowl games, or at least I couldn't, because I'm a young fan. I was not, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to experience, you know, the, I didn't have to sit through the Kroom years. I started following Mississippi State football closely in 2012, so unfortunately, it hasn't been so hot for State recently in the Egg Bowl. Lost some games we shouldn't have lost. Um, so I've only seen so far two Egg Bowl wins while talking about this. Yeah. Uh, so of course those two make my top three. <laughs> but so we look top three Egg Bowl related moments. So anything that happened within within the Egg Bowl rivalry, uh, probably within the last year, but whatever the most important. So Will, what was your number three? Number three for me is the 2010 Egg Bowl. Now for me, 2010 is always a special year for me for Mississippi State because that was the first time where. I really kept up with Mississippi State football and followed them from start to finish. I've kept up with Mississippi State football in some sense prior to that, probably since around 2003, but I just wasn't keeping up with it as a whole. I wasn't going from the first game to the last game. And to me, the, to see Mississippi State win in Oxford that year, to captivate one of its best seasons since uh, the 1990s, to be able to get lock up that Gator Bowl win by beating Ole Miss on the road for the first time since 1998 was truly a very, very great memory for me that will always last uh, watching it in the uh, Jackson area at the time to uh, rub it in the face of fellow Ole Miss fans the next day. Um, I will say it wasn't really too memorable of an Egg Bowl. I mean, the final score made it look closer than what it was. Um, I think the Best play I remember for that game, I think it was uh, Ballard hit a long run. Perkins. Perkins. I, I think it was Even Ballard. though I didn't get to watch the games, I've got, I know the games. I know what happened in there. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean. It might have been Ballard, but I know Perkins, he had like two really long runs. Okay, that's that probably Perkins. Honestly, to be quite frank with you, I haven't watched the game since 2010 because I just have never come across it since then. I guess I could look it up on YouTube, but still. Yeah. Um, but the thing to me about that game was just the it just culminated everything from Ole Miss's Jacksonville State loss to the Houston Nut trying to act like oh yeah we're go- we're gonna have a great season this year we're gonna dominate Mississippi State after that fluke from two thousand nine and Mississippi State ends up making the statement of Dan Mullen and it really made the statement throughout Dan Mullen's tenure of hey Mississippi State is not here to just roll over to Ole Miss. This is a team that is going to compete with Ole Miss and is going to win consistently, not only against Ole Miss, but is going to be a consistent bowl team. And by Dan Mullen locking up uh, Mississippi State's first bowl game, obviously they locked it up before then, but to lock up their first real great bowl game and start the streak that lasts till today, to me, 2010, just has it all for me. Yeah. My number three is not a game. It is something that happened in the offseason, back prior to 2017, the 2017 football season. And that would be the firing of Hugh Freeze. Uh, so it was in July of 2017, mm-hmm. not long after SEC Media Day. Hugh Freeze, uh, in the midst of his program being under NCAA investigation, um, just announced there was going to be a bowl ban for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this talk about how Everything was going bad, and then it got worse uh, because of the aforementioned Mississippi State beat writer who was able to got a hold of his phone records for different reasons. That wasn't what he was looking for. Um, he was using it to, for writing his book. Discovers that Hugh Freeze 
phoned up some hookers and while well, on recruiting trips. And maybe it makes me a bad person, but knowing that the coach who acted all holier than thou mm-hmm. his entire career and put on this uh, this pastor freeze persona to make himself look like he was this good Christian man, this perfect person that and people just ate it up and which which is why it was always hilarious. People that man would never cheat. No, he was cheating his butt off in more ways than one. <laughs> Wasn't there a Mississippi State player that got committed that got recruited by Ole Miss where Hugh Freeze told him, "I fear for your soul if you go to Mississippi State." I can't remember who that player was, but I'm pretty sure that was the thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, I heard about that. Um, this guy who lied to every recruit saying that, "Oh, it's not going to be that big a deal." We're not. Uh, we might might have a one-year bowl ban. It's no big deal. The fact that what cost him his job was that he was with prostitutes, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, Egg Bowl Twitter was astounding that night. Oh, yes. Um, all the memes, all the jokes. Uh, and really the national my, scene I'm, hit I'm up sorry. with it, too. My favorite is, do you remember the I Stand With You Freeze buttons? Yes. So... Ole Miss fans, they released during that time, I stand with Hugh Freeze buttons to wear to games to show the support for their coach. Somebody made one, made a joke. It was like, I slept with Q Freeze. <laughs> 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 I, I, I still have the picture sitting on my phone. It was hilarious. I love it. Um, but, yes, in terms of something that produced wonderful a wonderful reaction for state fans, the firing of Hugh Freeze is wonderful. Uh, real quick, just I want to throw an honorable, honorable mention. The Cam Akers, the night he committed to Florida State, that was amazing. Oh, yes. The fact that Ole Miss fans actually, you know, we talk about how much they suck. Mm-hmm. The Ole Miss, court, the Oxford Quarterback Club got together and held a watch party <laughs> for the commitment of a high school athlete <laughs> because they were told by some people that, yeah, he's going to come to Ole Miss. His mom <laughs> wants him to stay in state. Yancey Porter. <laughs> It was so wonderful, the fact that they had a freaking watch party to see him commit to Florida State because he was never going to Ole Miss. Why in the world do you think a running back is coming to Ole Miss? Good God, I hate them. All right, what's your number two? Number two to me, along these same lines, to me, it just is on a whole different level to me. It kind of was the tip of the domino that tipped everything else down. Draft day. That's all I have to say about it. You know what I'm talking about. Draft day 2016. Ole Miss is supposed to have three first-round picks. It's supposed to be one of the most historic days in all of Ole Miss that's going to propel them to the next day. However, you and I both remember something completely different happened. I was at the Alabama-Mississippi State baseball game at the time. Mississippi. This was on a Thursday night, and Mississippi State was playing at Alabama. And this was a uh, SEC uh, championship team for Mississippi State, so that's I was seeing Mississippi State destroy Alabama to in route to their SEC title. I overhear around me all these Alabama fans talking, man, do you hear what's going on with Ole Miss? This Larry Tunsil, what's going on with this Twitter account, this Instagram account? I haven't really been paying attention to my phone all night just because, you know, I'm trying to focus on the game. And actually, it's kind of funny. Since it's in Tuscaloosa, a lot of the Mississippi State media was actually in the press box of the Alabama baseball game. So I'm probably about getting about as much information as they are. So I decided to check my phone. And all of a, and all I can see was, oh, man, do you see this tweet by Laramie Tunsil? Do you, 
And then all of a sudden there was. I have to say, yeah. Then all of a sudden there was this Instagram post with uh, Laramie Tunsil where we all have seen the pictures now of him and the gas mask bong smoking weed. That was so great. I mean, it was just legendary. What What made it funnier was the Confederate flag in the back. Yes. <laughs> I was like, out of time. I think the tw- I can't remember even what the tweets were about. It was, it was something about accepting money or something, but I can't really remember what. Yeah, so he was asked by a reporter, uh, would you say, because. No, I'm talking about like from his personal Twitter. I don't remember the tweets. I remember yeah, I know. the Instagram messages between him and Barney. Yeah, yeah, the Barney Barney Farrar. Okay, yes, that, that was the Instagram thing. And then the Twitter was where he tweeted out the video of him with the gas mask bomb. That's what it was. Something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, they had the exchange with Barney Farrar. Yes, I, I almost Where, and, and, and you see him asking for money to pay his mom's light bill or something. <laughs> it's, gonna, uh, it's a very expensive electricity bill. <laughs> yeah. Extra. What? Remember when, like, the city of Oxford had a power outage, like, a few, like, the next yes. year, and everybody was like, call Barney. Call Barney. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I, I think there was a lot of controversy as to who asked this question. I think... First, they said it was Neil McCready. Then Neil McCready tried to deny that he asked this question. But anyway, someone asked this question at the draft night in Chicago to Laramie Tunsil if he had accepted money from an Ole Miss coach, from a member of the coaching staff, which is the key word because they didn't say fan. They didn't say booster. They said a member of the Ole Miss coaching staff. And as everyone likes to impersonate now, what does Laramie Tunsil say? Uh, I'd have to say, yeah. Yeah. It was, like, talk about throwing your team under your bus. Like, and, well, all the, all, every Ole Miss fan, he misunderstood the question. <laughs> Misunderstand that question. No. <laughs> your dude, admit, and what made it funnier was that whole statement is what sparked the second phase of the NCAA investigation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, thank you, Larry McTunsil, for, like, screwing your football program even more. Like, we appreciate it. It was hilarious. As someone was... I had a discussion with this at the time with someone, and I agree 100% with them. If you if you are doing that, why would you do that? Why would you trash your entire program that you're leaving? Maybe it's, you know what my theory is? Maybe it's because Ole Miss just isn't as great as Ole Miss fans in their fantasy think it actually is. Maybe. So my number two is the 2016 Egg Bowl. This is my first Egg Bowl as a student here at Mississippi State. Um, my first time ever being Oxford. Uh... For, like I mentioned on the show, first time actually going to an Egg Bowl in person. And, you know, 2016 was such a rough season for Mississippi State. The defense was historically bad, thanks Peter Sherman. You had the issues early in the year with the quarterback battle back and forth and the controversy. You lost, obviously, open of the year, losing to South Alabama. You struggle with UMass. You blow it at BYU. You blow it against Kentucky. It was just a rough season for MSU all around. Um, but you go up to Oxford – to end the season, and uh, obviously, at the time, we didn't think we had a bowl game on the line, Yeah. Uh, but Ole Miss did, and quite frankly, State beat the ever-living crap out of Ole Miss. And to get the opportunity to just, like, prevent them from going to a bowl game oh, was yes. doubly as good. Well, my favorite part of the night was watching their fans leave the stadium, yes. and, like, all of us in the band were waving at them, bye-bye! Bye bye, and you know some of the, some of them snobby pricks look back. We're not leaving. We're not. You better be leaving because <laughs> ain't nothing here for you to see. 
this game's done. And Cedric Giles getting the, like, the, the state fan in me, no matter what the score is, when we were up 20, 21 points, there's a little bit of, like, or I think we were up 20, it was like, ooh, what if, what if. And Cedric Giles gets the pick six, runs it back, and at that point I let it go. I was like, yeah, baby, 55-20. I, I bought one of the mugs that is, like, the road sign mugs, yes. 55-20. Oh, my goodness. It, and obviously – they talked so much that season. Mm-hmm. They they thought that was their year. And I, look, they'll probably say the same thing about us this year, no matter what, whatever. There were people predicting Ole Miss to go in the playoff before that season. And instead, they ended up missing a bowl game. And it was glorious. And the fact that that game propelled us to a bowl game, even better. They were preseason ranked like number 13 in the country that year, too. Yeah. Um, they spent the whole year freaking ranked because – they were preseason, and they had some close games with Florida State with Alabama. And, like, they were all the jokes, we're the best five-loss team in the country. And then uh, I remember making the jokes after the game. Well, does that mean that they're the best seven-loss team? No, the best seven-loss team is Mississippi State. I'm sorry, yeah. the best. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Because we beat them head-to-head. Exactly. All right, Will, what's your, what is your favorite memory from the exit? I know what yours is going to be, and I'm not going to pick that one, though that one was close. Uh, 2007 is an honorable mention for me just because that's one of the first Ed Bowls I got to watch on television. And quite quite frankly, uh, it is it was kind of cool to see a Sylvester Croom running around the stadium with the Mississippi State flag. Probably my one of my fav- second favorite moment of Sylvester Croom, second to the UCF win. But since that's my honorable mention, I will go with number one, which is actually the same one as your number two, 2016 Egg Bowl. And the reason why it's my number one it's because there's nothing like being at an Oxford Egg Bowl win. TV can't do it justice. And to me, that that's easily why it's number one for me. I don't care that State was bad. I don't care that that was a terrible Ole Miss team. The fact was that that, that four-win Mississippi State team went and absolutely decimated that Ole Miss team. And not only was able to end, I think it was a two-game winning streak for Ole Miss, right? They won 15-14, yeah. So they were able to end a two-game winning streak. I believe Ole Miss had won three of the last four, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I think Ole Miss was favored by, like, nine points, too, like, for a, what I thought was pretty competitive. Like, they people thought Ole Miss was going to win the game. But State went in there, had one of the most lopsided Egg Bowl victories of all time, and are able to get the egg back from Oxford and get it to Starkville. And I... To me, I think that's an important thing for me because that situation does not happen often. That wasn't a situation that happened in 2010 that I referenced in number three. The fact was, Ole Miss came into your stadium the year before and beat you head on. But you were able to go into Oxford and absolutely destroy them and able to pick back that egg bowl and able to bring it back home where it belongs in Starkville. And to me, when you culminate all of that, and, hey, for me personally, I was with the famous room band for my first Egg Bowl in Oxford and be able to celebrate it with them and to be able to play the alma mater at the end of the game, play Battle Hymn, just go through it all, take pictures of it in person, the Golden Egg Trophy, while the players are hosting it around the empty Vault Hemingway Stadium. It's never more fun saying we just beat the hell out of you than when it's against Ole Miss. Yeah, and that, and that makes it doubly when you're doing it at their because own stadium. we really did. Just beat the hell out of them. It did not. It, no True words have never been said than they were that night for the Hay song. 
So my number one, the if you know my timeline, it's the only other Egg Bowl win available to me. But the 2013 Egg Bowl will probably always be my favorite Egg Bowl. Great one. 2013, sort of like the 2014 season, was a rough year. Um, you didn't have the atrocious losses like you did, but the fact was you just couldn't quite put everything together. Uh, you dealt with a lot of injuries throughout the season. And you go into the final two weeks of the season sitting at 4-6. and six. Obviously, you get the, the crazy memorable game against Arkansas where you go in, in Little Rock, you win a game in overtime off the legs of Damian Williams. Yes. Uh, beat Arkansas 24-17. And then the next week against Ole Miss, Thanksgiving night, um, bowl eligibility on the line. Uh, Ole Miss had just beaten you and beaten the crap out of you the year before in their first year under Hugh Freeze. And you, you knew you were going to be without Dak Prescott, at least for most of the game. And honestly, what we saw was one of the best defensive efforts I've ever seen from a Mississippi State defense. Mm-hmm. Three interceptions, and technically it was four. There was one pick that should have been a pick that we didn't get. Um, like three interceptions officially, you just completely limited Ole Miss in the total yards, uh, and you know, the only touchdown that was given up by the state defense was because of a blocked punt that was recovered in the end zone. Um, and you, you go into the fourth quarter, you're trailing ten to seven. Williams just didn't he had just thrown an interception, didn't quite have it, and then you get the moment where Dak Prescott, who had been out with the past few weeks with a uh, a nerve injury, comes in. Off the bench, you see him warming up. You know, just a few weeks after le- uh, just lo- losing his mom to cancer, goes out and leads state and a game tying drive. Game goes to seven ten all. Obviously, he has another drive where you think you're going to get the game winning field goal, and then Mississippi State kickers show up and <laughs> end up having to go to overtime. But then there's the play fourth down and two from the three yard line. What are you going to do? You decide. You know what? Kickers don't have it. We're got to score a touchdown here. Dak dives into the end zone. It's 17-10 Mississippi State. And then Ole Miss, I remember it was second and it was second and 12. Mm-hmm. They run Bo Wallace up the middle. Wallace looks like he's going to walk into the end zone. And then Nico Whitley, maybe my favorite Mississippi State player ever, does what he always does what he just had a knack for doing. He found a way to get to the football. Strips Wallace. Trips Wallace, the ball bumbles into the end zone. Jamerson Love runs up, picks it up, fumble recovery, ball game. State wins the Egg Bowl, and Nico Whitley teabags Bo Wallace in the end zone. It is the greatest moment ever. I remember I was watching it. In my, I started watching in the living room that Thanksgiving night, and then I got exiled to my li- exiled to my room so that my family could watch Hallmark. And I had to watch that game on my tiny little TV. And I remember when it happened, I like dove on my bed, and my dad yelled at me for diving on my bed because <laughs> uh, I was so freaking happy that it happened. We knew we were going to a bowl game. That game meant so much. Getting the egg back, obviously keeping a bowl streak alive, building momentum into what would be a historic 2014 season. Like it was so big, and obviously the way it happened, overtime win, Thanksgiving night, you're. Your star quarterback, who that was the night Dak Prescott became Dak Prescott. Yes, I mean, and there used to be a Mississippi State magazine. I don't remember what I think Maroon magazine or something. And I bought it in a Barnes and Noble, and it was about that. Talk about that game, and it was like how like the legend of Dak Prescott was born. Mm-hmm. Like it was in that moment that we knew, okay, this is going to be our guy here, mm-hmm. and it, it was just completely awesome. Yeah, um, 
Personally, for me, that win is probably up there with me with 16. It might even triumph that for me. The reason why I didn't put that on my list was just because I wanted to get a little bit of different variety, <laughs> obviously. But uh, I'll say this about that, too, about that season. Look, if you remember the week before, you went in overtime at Arkansas, at the state of Arkansas, where you never, ever won at the state of Arkansas in football before. I'd forgotten about that. That yeah. was that was a big win as well. The odds of you getting to a bowl game looked very slim, but the fact that you're able to do that and the fact that you're able to win against Ole Miss, where to me, I think that's one of the most glorifying victories for me, actually, over Ole Miss, just because of all the media hoopla that Ole Miss came out with that year with, oh, we got the best recruiting class in the country. Oh, we got the win over Texas. Oh, we're the program on the rise. Uh didn't look like you were rising too much that night. Now, did you? Uh, but my favorite moment from that game was... Cordrock was laying down. <laughs> yeah, he was. My, fa- my favorite moment from that game, uh, probably uh, it's a gif from For Whom the Cowbell Tolls they created this. I believe Crystal Method created this. I don't know who made it, but it is a fantastic but, gif. But it's, pro- it's, it's my favorite Egg Bowl gif of all time, easily. It is Bo Wallace, as Andrew was saying, running towards the end zone, but instead of fumbling the football, he's fumbling the Golden Egg Trophy. And that, to me, is absolutely one of my, is easily my favorite gift of all time from Ole Miss. After that game, for a brief time, I thought I might try to, like, do, like, I'll draw cartoons or something. Yeah. And I did a sports cartoon where it's, it's the field, it's the goal line. By the way, it actually ended up looking pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I have a picture, I'll show you later. But it's, and they they had recently switched to the black bear as the mascot. Oh yes. So it's the bear in a Wallace jersey, a number fourteen jersey, laying over the goal line with his arms outstretched, with the football just out of reach, with bully in a in like a number fifteen jersey stepping on him and holding the golden egg trophy in the other hand. Oh. And I, the caption was, "I always wanted a bear rug." <laughs> I, I I drew that right after the game. Uh, because it was just so perfect. It's one of my favorite one of my favorite moments as a Mississippi State fan. Oh, without question. And on another note of that, just because I thought of this, is there a school that changes mascots more frequently than that school? No. There there cannot be. Like I can't keep up with it. You know what? We should have a Twitter poll one day of what will almost change their mascot to next? Because it seems inevitable at this point. This is a pattern. Well, you know, they lost their odds and they couldn't be Colonel Reb, so now they've Completely lost their minds. They don't know what to do. <laughs> so, we figured since it's Thanksgiving, uh, the big thing every year on Thanksgiving sports-wise is NFL football. Now, obviously, this is a Mississippi State's podcast. We focus mostly on the college side of things. But we bring up the NFL every once in a while. We talk about our teams, anything big that happened. Who that for me? Uh, we figured there are three NFL games taking place. Why don't we pick those games? All right. So, uh, and we're actually... We're going to go full out here. We're going to do, we don't know if any of you gamble. We do not gamble. We're not degenerates. But if you are, it's perfectly okay. I'm not going to judge you for it. We're going to give you our gambling picks for the three NFL games. So we're going to do, uh, obviously, these these point spread and then the over-under for the total points scored for the picks. Because um, that's all I understand when it comes to gambling. Uh, that, that's same. all I get how that works. So the first game of the day, as always, at 11.30 Central Time in Detroit, the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions. Interesting. So you would have thought the Bears would be a big favorite in this, given the way the Lions have played recently and the way the Chicago's played recently. I had a stroke there for a second ago. But 
Uh, starting quarterback for the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, may or may not be playing. It's actually seeming more and more likely that he will be out. And it's become, I think, like a pick Yeah, and actually, I think it's just moved up where Chicago's now a three-point favorite over Detroit. Okay, so Chicago's back to being a three-point favorite? Yes. Okay. Um, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I just don't like the Lions. I understand they got the big win over the Panthers the last week, although Cam Newton missed a wide-open guy in the end zone on a two-point conversion try. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have given them the win. Even if Chase Daniel starts, I, look, I'm a Chase Daniel believer. He was the great, he was a great backup to Drew Brees for many, many years. Uh, I thought he always played well in relief. I will take Chicago minus three and a half. I think Detroit has a really, really good history of losing on Thanksgiving. Yes, they do. And uh, another thing I want to bring up is Saturday Night Live had an old skit like in the 1990s, maybe late Duh, 1980s. Bears. Duh, Bears. Bears. And uh, one of them that they had, one of them I watched, was them talking about the Bears Thanksgiving game, actually. And so, them being the Lions, possibly. I don't know if they beat the Lions that year or not, but because of that skit right there, that is <laughs> bringing my pick to pick the Chicago Bears to cover the spread. What is the uh, over-under? Uh, 43 and a half. Under. Take the under. Uh, I feel like both teams... Lions are not very good offensively. Neither are the Bears, and the Bears could be without their starting quarterback. Plus, the Bears' defense is really good. I'm definitely taking the under on that. Um, I will as well. <laughs> All right. The next game, Washington at Dallas. Cowboys, obviously, the other team that play every year on Thanksgiving. This game would be fourth. Uh, it would be 3.30 Central Time, 3:30 Central. speaking to our demographic. Yes. Um. You know, Dallas looked like they were done, and suddenly they've won two straight. Got a big win over the Eagles. Got a win on the road against the Falcons. Now they're five and five. The Redskins are six. Oh, excuse me, I got the hiccups. The Redskins are six and four. Going to be without Alex Smith. He unfortunately for him suffered a season-ending injury in the last game. The winner of this game uh, will be first place in the NFC East and will have a clear track towards making the playoffs. Surprisingly enough. Um, Dallas at home on Thanksgiving isn't always a guarantee. Uh, what is the spread, though? Uh, it's a seven-point favorite for Dallas. Ooh. Yeah. I think the Cowboys win. I'm going to say Washington plus seven, though. Yeah, this is a very, very good spread. Colt McCoy, for some reason, he's that other backup because Colt McCoy isn't going to be the starter. McCoy has success in these games. And <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he beat the Cowboys one year. Yeah, and I think in 2014, he led a game-winning drive against the Cowboys. I can't remember what team he was with at the time, but he did beat the Cowboys with whatever team he was playing with with a game-winning drive um, in 2014. Um, yeah, to me, this, this is what makes, since we're doing spreads here, this is what makes it difficult. I really do like the Cowboys here, but Dallas does have a tendency on these Thanksgiving days to make these games look pretty ugly in an ugly win. Uh, well, Dallas's offense is ugly. I mean, I love yeah. Jack, but... Good God. Yeah, and and look, and I won't just put it on Dak because I feel like oh, their no, offense of him. The offense is just terrible. And not just that, their offensive play calling has been very, very questionable Worse all season. Um, so the thing to me is, look, Dallas-Washington, this is a Thanksgiving rivalry historically. This is the one of the typical Thanksgiving rivalries. Um, really, all three of these games are really good uh, rivalry games here for the NFL. Chicago, yes, they Detroit. Are. They did a good job this time. Washington, Dallas, and we'll get to the next one, obviously. But um, to me, I, I agree with you 100%. I think Dallas wins, but I really do like Washington to, 
to cover the spread because I think Dallas is only going to win this game by like a field goal. All right, and the over-under? Over-under is 40.5. Under. Uh, I see another low-scoring type game here. Dallas' defense is pretty good. Washington's defense isn't great, but like I said, Cowboys' offense is not great. Um, I'd be a little – this one's sort of tempted to take the over, but I- I'm going to go under. I mean, if this is like a 24-21 to 21 type game. I know, it's over. but It's over. I see this being a and a 21-17 to 17 type game. That's fair. I'm, I'm going to go over, but just slightly. But I, I could see where you go under. And the last game of the night at, it'll be... 7-20. 7-20, Central Time. My New Orleans Saints play host to the Atlanta Fail Clowns. <laughs> The Saints right now are the best team in the NFL. They are 9-1. They're fresh off three straight games, scoring at least 40 points. They absolutely obliterated the Eagles last week. They blew out the Bengals the week before. They beat the Rams, who were the other team right at the top of things, in the Dome. It's Thursday night against a team we hate more than anyone else. Well, it's Thanksgiving night. We hate, freaking hate the Falcons. That is one of the that is one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL, and it's all you know. People don't really talk about it that much. Saints Falcons is one of the best rivalries in football. Yeah, I agree. Um, and right now, this but right now the Falcons are not good. They're just not. And right now, the Saints are just playing at a different level. And it's the dome, everything surrounding this game. You know, some of me understands that this game can be tight at times. The Falcons find a way to keep it interesting, but. I just don't think anyone's hanging with the Saints. I think the Saints are like a 13-point favorite. Uh, 12.5-point favorite. 12.5? Uh, yeah, I think the Saints are going to cover the spread. Yeah, um, obviously I think New Orleans is going to win. My only question of this game, though, is just because of the rivalry aspect, does that make this game closer than you would think it would be? Obviously, earlier this year in September, they played in Atlanta, and it ended up going into overtime. Uh, very high-scoring game there. Um the Atlanta Falcons have not been playing well as of late. They lost to the Browns. They lost on a last-second field goal to the Cowboys at home. Just when they were looking like that they were going to be back on track before then, they just dropped two straight when they really didn't need to. And this is a very bad situation for them to be in. Probably a must-win for them, quite frankly, because going to the Saints, if they lose this game, they're what? Like, uh, I think they would be 4-7. 4-7, seven, seven, like yeah. It doesn't really matter. They have a losing record. They have a losing um, record, and that, that's just not going to be good for them. Um, so for me in this game – I just don't – I think the way the Saints have looked the past few games, uh, unless they just – unless the rivalry aspect's just too much for them, I just don't see any way in the world why the Saints will not cover this 13-point spread. So I, I do agree. I think the Saints cover. Yeah, like, look, since the last time we played, which was a you know, overtime Saints win shootout, I would say the Saints' defense has improved. The Falcons' defense has remained the same. The Saints' offense has stayed the same. You could also argue the Saints' offense has gotten better. The Falcons' offense has regressed. Mm-hmm. The Saints should win this game and win big. And uh, what's the over-under at? A 60 points. Uh, Oof. Take the over. I'm telling you right now. Over. It's high. I don't care. I, I got to go with the under here. That's just too high for me. But, again, he's the NFL expert, so don't listen if, to me. <laughs> if this game is like 48-14, to 14, you hit it. And I could certainly see that happening. I know, but I could also see this being kind of a sloppy game for the Saints coming into this game. It could be. 
I mean, I could be dead wrong. I'm not betting on this. I'm telling you what to bet on. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, if you're putting your money in the hands of some dude who runs like one of the worst podcasts out there, like, I mean, that's your fault. So, <laughs> that's that's gonna be my pick there. All right, we're gonna conclude things as we always do with our picks. Not the fi- the final regular season picks for the year. We still have picks for championship weekend. Uh, we'll do bowl game picks. That's going to be fun. Probably just going to do a whole freaking show about the bowl games. That'll be like our last show for the football season. Uh, I have a pretty commanding lead going into this, so I will... Will sort of just has to go crazy with everything if he wants to find a way to win. I will make my fir- pick first on everything. Kick things off. Arkansas, Missouri, Friday afternoon on CBS. Uh... Yeah, Missouri, Missouri is winning this and winning big. Arkansas is terrible. Um, Missouri can, might give up some points here or there, but Drew Locke's going to destroy the Hogs secondary. Yeah, Arkansas is abysmal. Missouri will Number 11, Florida at Florida State. This game is interesting. Uh, Florida State is 5-6 and six coming into this game. Yes. They are coming fresh off an upset off of number 20, Boston College. Um yeah, and they also have a bowl streak that is on the line. And they have a seven, like a five-game winning streak in this series too. Mm-hmm. The game's in Tallahassee. I don't know what type of crowd you can really expect. Although, you know what? I actually think Florida State fans might show up for this one. It's a rivalry. They they have a chance to go to a bowl game on the line. Uh, I think you could see a pretty decent crowd in Tallahassee. It is an 11 a.m. game, so it does make you wonder there. Yeah, but it was an 11 a.m. game not too long ago too. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, personally, though, I'm taking Florida. Uh, I just don't trust. I, Florida, after that loss to Georgia, they lost to Missouri, and it looked like they were just going to fall apart. They started to rebound. I think they'll take care of business. Um, I'm going to go with Florida State. They've uh, bounced back with the big Boston College win where not a lot of people are thinking they're going to win. I see Florida's only favored by four in this game. That makes me think that – there's some, some possibility of an upset here. And to me, I just kind of have a weird feeling about this game. Florida State's played well against the Florida Gators in recent history, and I think that continues. Georgia Tech at number five, Georgia. You know, this game has been interesting in the past. Even when Georgia's been a good team, Georgia Tech seems to, seems to give them fits. That's what happens when you play triple option teams like that, especially teams that hate each other like they do in a clean, old-fashioned hate. But, you know, Georgia Tech's decent this year. But I, I like Georgia at home. Uh, I think they'll be able to limit limit the Yellow Jackets. Go to Atlanta at 11-1, still with a shot at making the playoff. Yeah, it's actually been since 2012 that Georgia's beaten Georgia Tech at home, actually. Yeah, Ge- I know. Georgia's had a very long win streak in Atlanta. They haven't lost in this century to Georgia Tech in Atlanta, surprisingly. But at home, that's where they have been prone to losing these types of games. I'm not going to pull the trigger, though, just because I think Georgia is better than Georgia Tech. But Georgia Tech has played well this year, and I don't expect them to lose by 17 to Georgia. The Iron Bowl. Will might actually find a way to go to this game. I've been looking at tickets. Uh, He's never been to an Iron Bowl, wants to experience it. Auburn goes to number one, Alabama. You know, before the year, we thought this might be a play-in game for the SEC championship game. Now that we're at the end of November... Not so much. And really, it, for all intents and purposes, it's just a meaningless game for Alabama. It is. If they lose this game, what does that do to them? Nothing, because if they win the next week against Georgia, they still make the playoff. Absolutely. So uh, Tide are going to roll. Yeah, and by me 
setting all that up. It's been since Cam Newton that Auburn has won in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and I, I don't see Cam Newton on the sidelines for Auburn, so I, they're, they're not going to win this game. I know Alabama's a little banged up, but uh, let's get real here. Uh, Auburn, with the way that, that team has been playing as of late, they don't have the team that can win in Tuscaloosa. Tennessee at Vanderbilt. So this might end up being the game of the weekend, if we're being honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, a pair of five and six teams. Uh, Vanderbilt actually has a little win streak going against the balls. Yeah, they've Winner won. goes to a bowl, loser goes home. You know, it's going to be interesting. And prior to last week, I would have taken Tennessee. Um, and then you know, Tennessee gets embarrassed by Missouri. And I, I don't think that loss necessarily affected me, but there was an injury to quarterback Jaron Guarantano. Uh, Keller Chris had to come in and be the guy, and it just didn't really work out well for him. I'm not sure what uh, Gorantano's status is for this game, but I think uh, it's he's at least questionable. Mm-hmm. If that plays a role, Vanderbilt's not great offensively, but I think they can do enough. I like Vandy at home. I will check on his stats is, uh, real quick. I think uh, Pruitt talked about him in the press conference, and that's why the uh, spread... Um, they said he's day to day. It's iffy. I mean, I, I'm still taking Vanderbilt. So the thing if he was playing. If I knew he was playing, I might put Tennessee. But even then, it'd still be pretty close for me. This is probably the most interesting game for me because, to me, the future of the state of Tennessee is pretty big in this game. Like we said before, these are two five and six teams battling out. If Tennessee wins this game, they look like they're going to capture all the momentum in the state of Tennessee by getting to that bowl game. But if Vanderbilt wins this game. A lot of people that were questioning Derek Mason can point to this and say, look, they were able to get six wins. They looked great against Notre Dame. Beat Tennessee three years in a row. Three years in a row, and that would be five of the last seven wins. Five, They've gotten five wins of their last seven meetings. Think about Tennessee. who you are now, Tennessee. If that happens, and, it, and again, let's, let's just put it out here again. This is the second straight year where the state of Tennessee – is battling on the last week to decide who's going to be last place in the SEC East. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't go against Vanderbilt. I, I pointed this out in the preseason, actually, where I thought you looked at this Ole Miss and Tennessee stretch at home, kind of a mirror of two years ago where Vanderbilt did this. I think Vanderbilt's going to win the – where I thought Vanderbilt's going to win these last two games to get to a bowl game, and that's exactly what I think is going to happen here. Vanderbilt's going to win this game, and they're going to – go to where I think is the Liberty Bowl, and I think they're going to get the momentum. And Tennessee's going to have to go back to the drawing board because I know they didn't expect to have a good season this year, but, man, man, oh, man, did they really want that to get to a bowl game this year. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a drawing board type season. I, the way I saw it was most Tennessee fans were thinking, if we can get to a bowl game, we can consider this a really good season. I think the fact that they were in contention – no, obviously, are they necessarily going to be happy with that? But I think most of them would take it right now. I guess, but I just don't think – I'll be real with you. I think they would take it if they could beat Vanderbilt, and quite frankly, because that's the team that's been the thorn in their side under Butch Jones and even under the end of Derek Dooley. If they can't beat Vanderbilt, it's – I know they're a private school and all that, but it's almost like you know Mississippi State beating Ole Miss or Alabama beating Auburn. Losing to an in-state school sucks. And losing to them five of seven times would absolutely crush them. Yeah. Number 15, Kentucky goes to Lewis. 
I was about to say Louisville. 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 We, we, we made them Louisville last year, so they, they can be Louisville. <laughs> yeah, that's they fine. made we, them Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Uh, they look like it this year yes. because they are atrocious. I don't know what the record is. I don't care what the record is. They have like um, two or three wins. Yeah. Bobby Petrino is gone. They suck. Uh, Kentucky's not been so hot recently, but there's no reason the Cats should not win this game. See, Kentucky's a 17-point favorite in this game. The only reason Kentucky will lose this game is if Kentucky's offense costs them in turnovers and absolutely allows Louisville to take advantage of that. Other than that, Kentucky's the superior team, much better defense, and I expect Kentucky to roll in this game easily in one of the most lopsided Kentucky wins over Louisville in history. South Carolina at Clemson, the battle from Palmetto State. Oof. Remember when South Carolina had like a five-game win streak in this? Yeah. That's and, not the case anymore. And Davo Sweeney was the coach throughout that entire tenure, yet they did not fire him. They did not, and it's paid off for him big time. Clemson is undefeated. South Carolina is just not having the year they wanted to have, and honestly, even if they were, I wasn't going to pick them against Clemson. No. Uh, Tigers going to win and win big. Clemson is a 26.5-point favorite. And quite frankly, I would take Clemson on the over right there. I think this is going to be an ugly game. Uh, South Carolina's defense is abysmal. Clemson is absolutely kicking it off right. They just, you know, they look like they're going to struggle with Duke for a little while last week, but then they just continue to roll on. That's one of the better ACC teams. South Carolina, I'm not even sure is on Duke's level this year. I, I just think I just think Clemson's going to destroy them. You know, I mentioned. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, I mean, Vanderbilt, Tennessee might be the best game. I've kind of left out. Number seven, LSU goes to number 22, Texas A&M. A&M is actually a favorite in this game. Uh, Four-point favorite at home, Jimbo Fisher's first year. Uh, They've at least done enough so far this November to suggest maybe the November slide is not going to happen anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, they just got the loss to Mississippi State out of their way early. Uh, LSU, though, quietly rolling along. They have a clear path to go to a New Year's Six Bowl as long as they win this game. And they've won, like, what, seven in a row now? Over they've been dominating. They, they have not lost to A&M since A&M joined the conference. Yes. And I'm pretty sure they beat them the time they played before that in, like, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, they in 2011 they met in the Cotton Bowl and they beat them there. Yeah. Uh, history suggests LSU should win this game and win big. Now, I think A&M will keep it interesting, but... And there, there are legitimate concerns about LSU's offense, but I'll be honest, I, I like the Tigers here. I will say, as far as the Florida-Florida State game goes, I re- I probably favor Florida a lot more. I was just picking Florida State to try to uh, <laughs> make, make my losses not look so bad. As far as this LSU-Texas A&M game goes, I'm picking Texas A&M because I feel like they're legitimately going to win this game. Texas A&M, as we point out, has had this streak of where they've lost, you know, like seven in a row or whatever to LSU. And I think this is going to be a big point of emphasis for Jimbo Fisher's first year to prove that the November slide is over. They can beat LSU. And that is what is different from me, from Kevin Sumlin. No matter what bowl game we end up at, hey, we can say that we beat LSU this year. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Okay. A little nationally, great game here. A game that will determine who gets to go to the Big 12 title game. Number six, Oklahoma at number 13, West Virginia. Man, this could be interesting. Now, this is a tough one to pick. Yeah. Uh, OU, their one loss came in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. 
Uh, West Virginia has two losses. They fell at Iowa State and at Oklahoma State. They're undefeated at home. Will Greer's got that offense rolling, uh, but so does Kyler Murray for his. You know what? Country roads take me home. I'm going to go West Virginia. I, I I'm, know I'm going to be wrong, but I figure I'll just take it, you know? I was, honestly, I was prepared to pick West Virginia before you did this because I was pretty sure you were going to pick Oklahoma, so I don't know where to go from here. Um, but I, I guess I'll go with Oklahoma now since you picked that, since it's one of those 50-50 tight games. Look, I, personally, I feel like West Virginia, I'm kind of leaning West Virginia in this game just because I feel like they have a really good chance to bounce back from this game, and I've been really questionable on Oklahoma this year, just how they've looked defensively. But, again, Oklahoma has a very dominant offense, and I don't think West Virginia has the defense to stop it either, so I'll go with Oklahoma. Out west, well, very, I mean, out to the Pacific Northwest, that is, mm-hmm. the Apple Cup, number 16, Washington at number 8, Washington State. The Cougars are 10-1 and one on the season, ranked in the top 10. They win this game, and they will go to the Pac-12 title game to play Utah, and have a still would have an outside shot at making the college football playoff. They lose, and Washington will go to uh, San Francisco to play against Utah. Uh, it's funny we all sort of ridden Washington off, but here they are, last week of the season, yeah. winner take all game. Mm-hmm. Washington has a pretty big streak against Washington State, where they tend to beat the crap out of them. Uh, yeah, Washington State's last win over them was in twenty twelve. Yeah, well, yeah, big streak. Yeah. Um, it's weird saying that. It feels like 2012 wasn't long ago, but then you start thinking, like, oh, yeah, it's been a while. And I remember watching that Washington State win where, like, Washington was nationally ranked and Washington State only had, like, three wins that year, and it was a huge upset at the time. Washington State is a favorite for the first time in several years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they're a favorite by two and a half points. I'm going to believe in the power of Mike Leach, Gardner Minshew, and the Palouse. Give me the Cougars. I have a weird feeling about this game. I've had a weird feeling about this game throughout the entire time. And look, I'm a Washington State. I've actually been rooting for Washington State. I like Gardner Mitchell. I like Mike Leach. But to me, there's something wrong with this game. There, there's something up with this game to where I'm going to have to pick Washington in this game. I feel like, I feel like there's, I just feel like there's something to this game, you know? Yeah. It's a rivalry game and. Robbery upsets like this could Well, history happen. suggests that you pick the right team. That's true, but Washington State does look like the better team this year, but we'll see. The game in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. Number four, Michigan goes to number 10, Ohio State. Michigan is a favorite in this game for the first time in years. They have not won since... Like, 2011. Oh, okay, 2011 was the last win. Yeah. Um, Jim Harbaugh's team... Has not lost since their season-opening loss to Notre Dame. Uh, Do you see the tweet today where they said that, like, in that 2000 era, like, Urban Meyer was, like, the wide receiver coach at Notre Dame the last time Michigan beat Ohio State? Like, uh, Jim Harbaugh. In Columbus? Was, yeah. Jim Harbaugh was a receiver at, like, the Dolphins or something like that. Like, it was just kind of wild to see what Well, Jim Harbaugh happened. played quarterback, but... Uh, I don't know who that was then. <laughs> what did I read? <laughs> uh, Ohio State, you know, ever since that loss to Purdue, they just haven't been right. They're winning games, but they really should not be winning them. No. Uh, and nonetheless, though, this game will determine 
who goes to the Big Ten Championship game. I say at home, a very tough place to win. As we said, Michigan hasn't won there in a very, very long time. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Urban's about to start faking a heart attack on the sideline again. Yeah. Uh, I think Michigan's going to win this game and take care of business. Well, Michigan's only a four-and-a-half-point favor in this game, and probably because of the recent streaks and the recent history that suggests that Ohio State has a really good chance in this game. Um, because of all of that, Jim Harbaugh has still never defeated Ohio State. I am going to be cautiously picking Ohio State, and I don't feel good about it at all. That's fair. Number 20, Syracuse at Boston College. So... Boston College is 7-4, Syracuse 8-3. Both teams suffered defeat the last week. Both teams suffered embarrassing defeats. Syracuse was blown out by Notre Dame. Boston College was upset by a terrible Florida State team. Whew. This is an interesting battle. Uh, I'll be honest, both teams are probably kicking themselves because they know they wasted big opportunities for this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go with the home team. Give me B.C. I like Boston College in this game a lot, actually. Um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, number 24, Pitt at Miami. So it's fun. Miami's a favorite in this game, but ultimately it means nothing because mm-hmm. Pitt's going to the ACC title game. Yep. Uh, Miami got a nice win at Virginia Tech this last week. Um, they got some momentum, but Pitt's just playing really, really good right now. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Panthers. I'm going to go with Miami, and it will actually be a reverse from last year where Pittsburgh upset Miami when Miami ended up going to the conference title game. That's true. So I'm going to go with the reverse here, even though, like you said before, pretty much meaningless. Yeah, and that one was at least meaningful because it meant Miami, their shot at a playoff was done. Yeah. Uh, This one, Pitt's not going anywhere unless they somehow beat Clemson. Which, I mean, they'd be going to the Orange Bowl anyway, so. Yeah. Well, not the Orange Bowl, because the Orange Bowl is a playoff bowl this year. Oh, yeah, that's true. Never mind. <laughs> Number three, Notre Dame at USC. You know, before the year, this would have been much more intriguing, but I think we both know who we're picking here. I sort of just put it on here because it's one of those big rivalries in college football. Notre Dame's undefeated. They've passed every test that's been given to them. USC is atrocious. Um, apparently, there's, there's a rumor Clay Helton might be retained. Yeah, I've seen mixed things about that, though, so we'll see. That's pure stupidity, in my opinion, if you keep him. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame's going to win and win big. Yeah, I noticed ABC put this as their primetime game. I'll be interested to see how many fans. No, I know that. I'm just saying I'm just going to be interested to see how many fans are there because you you can't expect that many fans there. It's funny, though. You see how many fans they get for, like, Rams games? Yeah, they're probably taking all the USC and UCLA fans because both of those football programs are absolutely abysmal right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take Notre Dame to win easily. Kansas State at number 25, Iowa State. Kansas State needs a win to become bowl eligible. This game is close. Farmageddon, it's close every single year. Last year in Manhattan, the final score was 20-19, to and Kansas State scored on the final play of the game. On a touchdown pass as time expired. It's an underrated rivalry here. An old Big 8 rivalry here. <laughs> Ooh. Man, Iowa State has been so good at home. Mm-hmm. But something tells me the magic of Bill Snyder is going to come back and get it done. Go Cats. Whew. You put this game on here. 
Yeah, this this one's an absolute tough tough one for me. Absolutely. Iowa State's a pretty big favorite. They are, but I mean, I I got that Kansas State. K State does weird things. I know this is just one of those classic K State moments. And Iowa State cannot has proven they cannot and, handle being right. And if and if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna look at just to make sure. I'm pretty sure Kansas State has like a huge winning streak over Iowa State too. Probably do, because Iowa State's been terrible recently. They have a 10-game winning streak over Iowa State. Yeah, Kansas State's winning this. <laughs> good enough for me. 10 games. Yeah, good enough. The Holy War, the Mormons versus the Mormons that didn't go to school for Mormons. Yep. BYU at number 17, Utah. Uh, BYU's going to a bowl game. That's about all I can say about them. Utah's been pretty up and down, but I think the Utes will take care of business here. Is this at Utah? Yes. Okay, I'm going to take BYU in this game. BYU has shown this year that they've been willing to win games in big-time environments. I know Wisconsin wasn't didn't turn out to be a great team, but I think they're going to be ready to win this rivalry game against Utah. So I, I got to have a sneaky feeling about this game. A game that's not going to have national attention, but it should. Number 21, Utah State at number 23, Boise State. Oh, yeah. A game, the winner goes to the uh, Pac, not the Pac-12. Winner goes to the Mountain West title game. Whew. Utah State's been on a roll. They only have one loss. Uh, that loss being to open up the year to Michigan State. Boise dropped a game to uh, Oklahoma State. State. They, have another, they have a conference loss, too. I can't remember who it's to. Uh, um, I can look it up real quick. but uh, Yeah, they've been playing really good as well. Um. Who did Boise lose to? It was far back, I guess. Uh, uh, San Diego State. San Diego State. It was at home. And San Diego State right now is... I don't know what their record is because they won't tell me. Great. It's fine. Um, Something tells me, though, Boise just finds ways to win these things. All the talk was Fresno State and Utah State when you talk about the Mountain West. And I think when it's all said and done... It's going to be the Broncos like we all predicted at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I don't think Utah State's going to be able to win this game. As good as Utah State's been. They, they, they've been very good. Yeah, but again, I, I, you know, you just got you can't bet against Boise State in this situation. Purdue at Indiana. <laughs> Another winner-take-all game. Uh, well, winner goes to a bowl game. Yeah. And gets the bucket of nails. <laughs> oh, you know, Purdue has just wasted opportunity ever since that game. It's, they've just been so up and down. Yeah. They're actually favoring this game by four they points. They are. Indiana, I, I just don't know. what. I'll be honest. Uh, I don't know what to think of Indiana either. <laughs> I actually trust Purdue more than I trust Indiana, just from the, what, I've, what I've watched them. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Purdue. Even though Indiana gave Michigan a hard fight last week, Purdue. They did. Although Indiana plays Michigan hard every year that they play. Yeah, they do. Um, you know what? It's at Indiana. It's 50-50. I'll just go with Indiana. All right. Here's another good one right here. Arizona State at Arizona. Yes. Arizona State 6-5. and five. Arizona's 5-6. Five and six. Mm. The Wildcats need a – oh, yeah, they're the Wildcats. Yeah, uh, Arizona's the Wildcats, yeah. They need a win to become bowl eligible in their first year under Kevin Sumlin, which is so funny because – Think of all, all we were talking about was how Kevin Tumlin was the biggest disaster ever, <laughs> and he still is, but yes, 
And, you know, the same could be said about Herm, but they're going to a bowl game in the first year of Herm. Yes, they are. But I just don't trust Herm to get it done. I am going to take Arizona. Wow. That'd be huge. And this is a weird game. It's at Arizona. I, I really have... To, I really liked how Arizona State's looked these past few games. I just haven't been as impressed with Arizona. I know it's a rivalry game. They're both even, but I want to go with Arizona State. And last, but certainly not least, and it'll actually be first for what you're watching, the Egg Bowl. Your Bulldogs of Mississippi State and the dirty, lying, cheating, stuck-up jerks from Oxford. Number 18 Mississippi State travels to the school up north. Thanksgiving night. We all know. We're not about to freaking pick Ole Miss in this. Are you kidding me? You know, part of the state fan in me does make me wonder what if bad things happen. But I'm not I can't predict bad things to happen. I can only predict what I've seen a score based off of what I've seen the teams be so far this season. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen is that state is a team that is elite on defense. And has an offense that, when it plays teams that can't play defense, looks as good as any offense in the country. Ole Miss cannot play a lick of defense. And their offense has just not been as good as it's made out to be. Mm-mm. When they've played teams like State that have good defenses, they've been stopped. State should win this game and should win big and... I'm not sure how Ole Miss fans are going to feel about it because some of them kind of want it to happen, oddly enough. But I'm taking the Bulldogs to beat the ever-living crap out of the Rebels. I'm going to say Mississippi State wins this game. It's actually, I I predicted the score earlier. It's the same score that Booby Dixon predicted. MSU 45-17. Whoa. You know, I'm going to say go big or go home. And I'm going to go very, very big here. And this might be too big. I don't really care. Look, last week I predicted State to win 45 to nothing. State ends up winning uh, 52 to 6, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So they scored a lot more than I thought they would. And guess what? This defense is even worse than that defense that they're about to face up against. <laughs> Can you believe that? Unreal. I'm going to go real big here. Mississippi State 63, Ole Miss 10. I can certainly see it too. Mm hmm. Um, and it's going to be really fun watching A.J. Brown, the rel- his relevancy, fade off into the sunset. I will wave goodbye to him. Nick Fitzgerald should close out his career 2-0 in A-Wolves, because last year doesn't count. No, it doesn't. So, I mean, if Ole Miss fans are not going to give Dak credit for beating them when he single-handedly beat them, mm-hmm. you can't give a loss to Nick in a game where he didn't lose at four State. That's right. So... Uh, we're both predicting big wins for State. Now, obviously, look, we get it. It's a rivalry. Crazy things happen. Oh, We've yeah. seen Ole Miss find a way to win this game before when they shouldn't have. I mean, State's won some games in this series before when they probably shouldn't have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the, just, the reality is Ole Miss is not a very good football team. State may have four losses, but they're still a very, very solid team. And State has beaten up on teams that they're better than this year. Absolutely. I, like I said, I'm not going to predict emotions into this. I think as long as State goes in with a level head, use any frustration from the last year in a positive manner and leave the recklessness to those of us idiots sitting in the stands, mm-hmm. State should go and roll in this game. 
we will be there to see it happen. All right. So two and a half hour shit, like nearly two hours, 40 minutes. It's been super long. It was the Thanksgiving special, though. Like I said, this is your perfect thing to listen to as you're doing whatever on this day. Um, you, we could, ho- you could watch an entire football game almost throughout this Yes, day. you could. And it was worth talking about. I, I don't care. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy it with your families. Hopefully you were all celebrating a Bulldog victory. Um, yeah, I ain't got much. We'll close it at that. Um, happy Thanksgiving, Hail State, and go to hell, Ole Miss. Hail State, G-T-H-O-M.